This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. Hello, everyone. Nick Labretti here for JRCigars.com. Hope everyone is safe and sound out there. Now, today is a very, very special uh, edition of our virtual Herf series. It's our first ever virtual round table. I have brought like, an, an Avengers or a Justice League together of some of the best and brightest minds in the cigar industry and also Matt Booth. So we, I decided it was Damn. actually an idea. Oh, the the oh, Rubin brothers man. had this idea about a week ago when I was interviewing them, and uh, I took full credit for it. And we assembled this team, um, and I thought it'd be good to kind of bring everyone together, discuss the cigar industry, discuss you know a lot of these guys have history with each other, and just bring you a nice, informed but casual conversation with some of your favorite manufacturers. So I'm going to go around the room and introduce everyone. We have, of course. Pete Johnson of Tatawahe. Pete, thank you very much. Howdy. The only media guy that I'm jealous of, Eric from Cigar Dojo. Eric, thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for um, having me, Nick. Of course. Uh, Tom Selleck is here from uh, Miami, right in the middle there. Mr. Bradley Rubin. Uh, Nick R. Agua, Nick Melillo from Foundation. Uh, we have the other part of the dynamic duo, Alec Rubin. Uh, we have, of course, the great Don Juan de la Uber from Crown Heads. And, of course, we have Matt Booth. And his hair. My mom. And, and his mom. whole face. <laughs> Pete, so, this cigar is blowing my doors off, man. I'm very much enjoying this cigar. What right are you now. smoking, Matt? The, the Guar. The Cigar. Version Pete, can one. You, can you give us a little Variant history on one. that cigar? What's that? We get a little history on, on the deal. <laughs> Off to oh, a great start. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a broadleaf wrap cigar made in Nicaragua, and uh, it was made for the guys from Guar. There you go. <laughs> nice, nice, very informative. Thanks, Pete. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so I actually um, really cool scenario that, um, with the exception of Alec and Bradley, yet, but you guys, John, Matt, Pete, and Nick, um, are the makers of. Or, or, or the the best makers of one of my favorite wrappers, which is Connecticut Broadleaf. All of you have done some of my favorite Broadleaf cigars, including Matt, the mm. brand new Room 101 Payback that I had the pleasure of trying out this week. Thank you very much for that. Um, you are certainly welcome. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. So if you guys, and we'll start off with Pete and we'll kind of work our way through the, uh, through the gallery. Uh, I know recently that there's been a lot of talks of uh, Broadleaf shortages. How is that uh, looking to affect you and, and, and Tatawahe as a whole? Well, I mean, we, we've been, been talking about the broadleaf shortage for a few years, and uh, we've kind of been ahead of it. So I've started utilizing other wrappers like San Andreas or Sumatra, um, obviously much different than broadleaf. Aside from San Andreas being a similar seed varietal, it's still different as far as flavor quality goes. Um, but we have a lot of broadleaf in Nicaragua waiting uh, to be used. Actually, it's not even ready yet. It's going to be ready probably in about six to eight months. Uh, the problem is, and Nick knows this as well as anybody, the farmers in Connecticut are supposed to be planting their semieros right now. Mm. And with this thing going on, if they don't get the semieros ready, they might not get tobacco in the ground this year, which means that big old batch of broadleaf we have in Nicaragua uh, that's supposed to be an annual thing might have to last us for two years. Oh, wow. Nick, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen and, and planting resumes. Um, 
but yeah, similar to, you know, what Pete was saying. Um, unfortunately the year before last was the rainiest Connecticut. I think we had in 50 years. Um, so the tobacco just got a shit ton of water. Can we swear on this show? Of course. Not really? <laughs> All right. Uh, shit ton of water. So that kind of messed things, messed things up. Uh, no, we lost uh, Nick a little bit. Uh, there he is. Here we go. Um, luckily this past year was, was a good crop. So, um, it's just some timing issues right now as, you know, as far as I'm concerned with production. So we have some tobacco, um, coming out of fermentation, but you know, the timing of, of planning two years out a year and a half is sometimes tricky. So we might have a little bit of a, a lull in shipments of like our tabernacle, um, in the next three or four months, but, uh, it shouldn't be too bad. And then uh, hopefully we can get through this growing season, man. Mm. This is going to be, uh, man, it's going to be tough if we can't, if we can't grow this year. I mean, I can get imagine. a hold of your broadleaf cigars if that's the case. And mm. now I, I want to extend this over to John because John, you know, not only with some of your uh, limited editions, you know, the yellow rose and the Tennessee waltz, but also your big, big release this year uh, was the La Coalition. And that one also, you know, is, is a big, uh, broadleaf wrapper. So do you have any kind of plans on not just the, the shortage that everyone's known about for a while, but now that, you know, what Pete's mentioning about not being able to plant right away, um, how do you think you guys are going to be able to handle that? Well, I mean, the, the, the shortage hit us in the shores big time. I mean, we haven't seen Waltz or Rose. Both of those come out of the Garcia factory. My father's garage. We haven't seen those since summer of last year. Um, on the other side with Ernie, the Karem is broadleaf and we haven't seen that probably since the same time frame. So, you know, the reality is that we're sitting on a ton of backwards for those three brands and it's, you know, with, with no foreseeable end in sight, it's very difficult because now you're looking at not only having the, the financial ramifications, but then it's almost like people will forget about that by the time we get them back out, you know, it's almost like get to reintroduce the brands. Uh, part three of that is, is true estate. And I've checked with them as far as La Coalition and, they don't foresee any any shortages there. I think they're in good shape. Well, that's good, Matt. What is your answer to this? I'm I'm very eager to to see how you're going to respond. Uh, basically, uh, my direction is that I'm just going to use other tobacco and then tell people it's brother. Yep. So I, I, can, I can count on you. Uh, there will be there will be no shortage uh, for us. We it's a new use... it's a new technique. Though. Uh -oh. This is not something that has been done previously in the cigar business. This is a uh -oh. revolutionary. Uh, move. Um, I hear Indonesia you heard works different. the best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Zuki. Uh, <laughs> in, in terms of uh, other tobacco shortages during this time, I'm going to bring in the Rubin brothers for this. Have you guys been experiencing anything, you know, in terms of the tobacco's use or let's say gatekeeper or anything that that's been an actual issue of getting the tobacco in? No, we're good. Mm -mm. Nice. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been able to get our hands on everything as of now, so hasn't affected us at all. Well, that's good. Yeah, I just, I just know it's, it's going to be tough for everyone, but I, I wanted to make sure that uh, if there's anything I can do for you guys in exchange for samples, you know, just give me a call. Uh, uh, this is a question that I'm going to pose for everyone. It's kind of on the same vein, and I know I talked to Nick about it before. Um, there's been a lot of reports, I think, definitely coming from AJ Fernandez about the use of a Nicaraguan broadleaf. Um, again, starting with Pete and kind of working our way through, has this been something you guys have heard about and is it something you're interested in utilizing in the future? Yeah, sure. Cool. <laughs> Nick? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of people are experimenting with Broadleaf right now. And, and mainly it's being driven by the mass market mm. um, because there hasn't been enough Connecticut Broadleaf. There hasn't been enough Pennsylvania Broadleaf to supply the mass market also. Mm. So all because of the shortage of Connecticut two crops ago, because of that rainy Broadleaf crop I was talking about, um, everybody really started planting Broadleaf. Honduras, Nicaragua... Um, Dominican, Kentucky, you know, every kind of area, um, Mexico. So everybody's kind of trying to come up with something to supply that mass market at the same time. Um, yeah, I think it would be interesting to, uh, you know, work with uh, Nicaraguan broadleaf or, you know, try out new seed varieties. I think it's, it's good and healthy for the industry. How about you, John? Any, any interest? You know, I've I've heard of it, and I know Ernie checked some out um, a little while ago, and um, I, you know, I, without me seeing it, smoking it, tasting it, I couldn't mm. tell you. Um, so I'm just kind of leaning on him to give me the 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 direction, yeah or nay, kind of thing. So I mean, if if it all comes down to how it works with the blend, if it if it works, and yeah, but if it, you know, looks just to call it broadleaf, right? It doesn't taste good. What's the what's the point, Matt? Yes. All right, nice. Suzuki uh, broadly. I'm very, I'm very, inter- I'm very interested in trying it. <laughs> Do any of you guys use Pennsylvania broadleaf by any chance? Apparently, uh, no. no. We, like we use some. Guys. We I knew I liked you guys. Ernie tried to put some on me like in 2014, 15. I was like, nah. Yeah. Well, let me ask for the room. Is, is there a certain reason? Because there have been, you know, some pretty big blends to come out in the past couple of years using Pennsylvania. I know the Bishop's blend from black label and the um, uh, Jacob's ladder from Robert Holt. Uh, so is there a reason you guys just don't, don't prefer to work with that kind of tobacco? It's got that's a very, um, it's got a very distinct uh, profile. That's not the easiest to work with in my opinion. It kind of can dominate a blend. So it's not something I've really jumped at using yet. We, we do use some in uh, Farce Maduro, mm-hmm. and it serves that blend well, but I, I would have to agree uh, with Alec. You know, it's got a very a dominant personality, dominating personality. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm biased being from Connecticut, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's definite. There's a, it's, to me, it's much more, it's not that it's bad, Um I would agree that it's kind of more dominant. It's, it's more kind of rustic to me, a little mm-hmm. bit dirtier on the palate. Um, to me, you don't get that natural kind of sweetness that you get from the Connecticut River Valley broadleaf. Um, but again, it's all in the blend. Mm. Eric, b- being yes. you know uh, one of the one of the more prolific reviewers, you've obviously had the chance to smoke. <laughs> just like every cigar to come out what are what do you see in the differences between something like a jacob's ladder and then something that uses the the connecticut are you agreeing here it's kind of a little more rustic a little more intense yeah you know i guess i'm not as i, I don't, i'm not as familiar with it as these guys would be i know i've had uh espinoza makes one that, has, that that utilizes that tobacco and i i, I enjoyed it i like the um jacob's ladder and i also like the um was it the brimstone uh, the brimstone was the second one that he did. Yeah. I didn't like that one as much as the first version of that cigar. I don't know what you thought, Nick, but, um, and so, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how hard it would be to work with cause I'm not a blender in any way, mm. 
But I know that the times that I've had it, like with the Forest Maduro, I love that cigar. So, yeah, um, but you call yourself a master. Dude, how can you not be a blender? <laughs> I don't actually call myself that at all. That just sort of happened in the state of, you know, making you, this thing. you earned it. I'm a, I'm, I'm just a dude with a keyboard, man. That's as far as I get. By, by the way, Matt, I'm smoking a uh, noodles right now, baby. Oh no, shit! Nice, man. Cheers. Uh, Speaking of, that's a, that's a good segue. I'm curious to see um, what you guys are kind of having smoking during the uh, the quarantine. Are you kind of just going through your regular, you know, inventory? Are you doing some test blends now for future projects? Are you kind of diving deep into those uh, unicorns there? We'll Definitely start hit with, it. Uh, we'll start with whoever. Whoever would like to go first. Well, I'm currently smoking a test blend uh, for Kintsugi and a Lancero. Oh, nice. Uh, which is mine and Alex's next project. And then also hidden a bunch of those unicorns. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete's old uh, Anarchy. Just finished my last one. And um, and an old AB Havana Sungrown. And an Opus X purple, purple Rain. I used to all the samples. I've been looking for those. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, John? I've literally had two cigars here <laughs> since March 19th. I had a Four Kicks Mule Kicks 2017. And oh, no. then I had a uh, pre-release of the 2020 Las Calaveras. So I, yeah. And then tomorrow I'm going into the office and I'm probably smoke five, six cigars back to back to back and just take it in front of the Smoke your brains out. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's been the biggest adjustment for this whole quarantine thing. This is not being able to have a cup of coffee and a cigar in the morning and then another cigar and another cigar. And, you know, so what are you going to do? Pete, I'm going to ask you because it seems like a lot of these guys, what they their, their unicorns they've been smoking have been coming from you. So I'm curious as to what you've been smoking during this time. There you go. I uh, yeah, I've been smoking a lot of crazy old stuff. Um, I just had the office. Um, the guys in the office are still working on us like a skeleton crew. Like one guy's in a couple days a week, and another guy's in a couple days a week. And they kind of do it in shifts. Um, so I had the guys send me like some stuff from well that's from 14 and a couple boxes from 2009 of uh noea cuadrados which were box press noeas mm -hmm. so plus i've been smoking a lot of prototypes from the miami factory that i've been working on so all right interesting anything you can kind of uh kind of let us in on or they're still top secret no it's it, i'm testing out uh well playing around with the, the new wrapper that the garcias have grown the corojo shade grown uh which has been now dubbed uh, kappa mf it's the same wrapper they're going to be using on uh, the Fonseca line. Okay. But uh, I'm just using different primings of it. I'm awesome. excited about that one. Fonseca. Yeah. They, they took that. Cool. I think I read it. They took that over from, um, that was Quesada before that, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they bought the brand from the Quesada family. I had Fonseca 1010s at my high school graduation party. Of course you did. I was a 550 guy. 550s. Yeah, I like the 550s. The <laughs> or, remember the, the two by twos? The triangulars were great too. Oh, Didn't they used to ship them with a Credo in the box? The uh, was Romeo and you got to remember, he he made Romeo though. During when it had the Credo in the box, the oh, Manolo, Manolo, Manolo actually yeah. made made that Romeo. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. That was that ah. was when that that was a that was a cool cigar, man. They with the Credo in the back, you always had a free humidifier every box you bought. So the Fonseca did have the t the Credo in it, John? Or I know. No, no, the Romeo. The Romeo. Yeah, I remember the Romeos in it. 
I just remember going to the, the cigar store with the Cigar Aficionado magazine in my hand going, do you have these? And it was the Fonseca 550. So they got like some great rating in the Robusto category. And I couldn't, I couldn't find them anywhere. The Maduros were impossible to find. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Broadly. For the longest time. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this actually leads to, to another interesting question. I'm going to kind of let you guys uh, play around with. What were some of your early uh, cigar brands? The only one I happen to know is Pete, because uh, I've, I've read 20 articles on it. It was into the original Henry Clay's. And then you worked with Alcatis on the uh, on the reboot of that. What were some of the the early brands? I'm, I'm going to start with Matt down in the uh, down in the corner there. White Owl. Nice. <laughs> nice. Boy. One of my first cigars. Nice. Um, you kind of look like you're a Padron. White Owl. <laughs> I, can you imagine? You remember the logo? Could you? But could you imagine like this? Yeah. On that owl. I, I was going to happen. That. That's going to yeah, be the next collaborative endeavor uh, from my camp. I could only dream. Um, Honestly, awesome. the comedic value would be off the chain, I think. Um, uh, and I was turned on to Padron very early. Uh, I love the anniversary series. Always have, always will. Um, this has been kind of an interesting time for me, too, because I've been able to delve into my humidor a little bit more. Not to backtrack, but I didn't get to answer the last question. <laughs> Sorry, man. Nick. But, you know, with, with on, on my in my little journey through Tobaccolandia recently, it's been pretty intense man because there's been a lot of prototyping and then of course a lot of watchdogging for consistency of our current mm -hmm. production as well as looking to develop you know as we continue to re rebuild and relaunch um lines from our collection and that and that hasn't uh dissipated but i've but i've also been able to incorporate some unicorn smoking in my daily regimen here at chateau booth including so the uh, the guar that you're enjoying right now yeah I actually, I had never cracked these, man. And I thought, what a perfect occasion to enjoy this. And I, I, I remember barely, I, I read a very small article about them. They were a very, uh, like, kind of obscure, fun thing that, that because I remember the band from, I want to say it was in Super the 90s. Super cool, man. Super they, cool. They were like this, this really crazy, like, metal band. Um, but thanks, Matt. Yeah, so getting back to, um, you know, kind of, like, kind of your first cigar experiences, how about the uh, the Ruben boys? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of... Mm -hmm. Alec Bradley products in there, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of some other lines, what were, what were coming to some of the cigars that also helped inspire you when you were kind of doing your own, your own projects? For me, uh, I would definitely say the La Riqueza double Corona was one of them. And then I bought a ton of those, uh, the four kicks, um, sampler pack. I saw, I I have like two or three left, I think. And, uh, from the original batch. And those were a couple of cigars I definitely smoked at the beginning. Selection yeah, number five, John. For me, it was uh, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, uh, hidden, hidden the dusk and and La Astoria, which kind of led me on to, to John's brand, Crown Heads. Got to try his stuff uh, that came out of Ernesto's factory, and and just about everyone on here. I mean, I don't know how long we've known Matt for, probably since I was 12, 13 years old. But yeah, man. Any anyone that my that our fathers has a close connection with, usually it was a, a brand that I started gravitating to uh, pretty early. John, how about you? Very what cool. were some of your early uh, inspirations? I know we talked about it before, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to like 98 and say, I'm going to throw Bahia in the mix. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Bahia, yeah. Bahia Gold, Bahia, uh, gosh, it's just like Maduro's. those two cars still 20 some odd years later still stand out in my mind. So mm -hmm. I would say Bahia really kind of opened my eyes a little bit as to what cigars can taste like, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, I really be he is, man. Yeah. It's I funny, man. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. A universal theme with anyone that has ever smoked that product from then to now, uh, you know, almost a carbon copy response, just that they're beloved and treasured. They were, they were, they special. fucking nailed it, bro. They were, yeah. They were unbelievable. Yeah. Eric, did you ever try the, uh, the Bahia line? Yeah, but it was way later than what you guys are talking about. Um, Don Douglas. So yeah, I you gotta know. you gotta go early yeah. years. Yeah, right, right. That's like what I've pre, heard. Pre-CAO. Nine months from from Costa Rica, we're like, right. Yeah, so I, I never got to have the good the good Bahia stuff. I just had it later on down the line. So. Yeah. What what were some of your you know early smokes, Eric? Oh, I'm sorry. Who keep going? Go on. No, my so I was gifted an original Bahia by Eric at a uh, Castro's back room. Nashua, oh, New yeah. Hampshire. Yeah, he was one of my first. I found I stumbled across photos of this, uh, like going down the wormhole the other day. And we had one of our earlier events uh, in our brand's history with him. And part of that event, or the majority of that event, rather, was spent with him pulling stuff, uh, you know, from the top uh, of you know his storage. And and he gave me this beautiful gift of all these cigars that he felt that I should experience. Um, and that and that was one of them. Super. It was just, you know, a cool memory. That's all. Did anybody, no, also, anybody no. ever get, the, get a hold of the Bahia Gold A's when he did the A size? That's it. That's the one. No one oh, yeah. Insane, I had like maybe one of them. The, the Robusto for me was just phenomenal. But he did do an A, which is really cool. So, Eric, what, what were some other, you know, especially coming from you because, you know, like me, you're, you know, we kind of have the, the landscape, but what were some of the, even before Dojo really took off, what were some of the cigars that really inspired you to even be involved in the cigar industry? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can tell you that exact moment was I hmm. cigars to me were just kind of like goofing around, like didn't take it seriously at all. And uh, until I had the Padron 1964 Maduro, I think it was this Imperial size. And I remember that night I, I said to myself, okay, wait a minute now. There's something else is going on here. And cause I'd never had like a really high end premium until that, that night. And um, so that was it. And so then for the longest time it was like, all I wanted was something that tasted like that. So I would just like, you know, Maduro, 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 like everything. And, and one time I ordered a five pack of, um, of, uh, Ortega Serie D, right? I, and I ordered the Maduro, but the natural came instead. I got five naturals instead of the Maduro. And I, I called I called the retailer. And I was like, ah, you know, you guys sent me the wrong thing. You sent me the, the natural, not the Maduro. And I was like, I'll send these back. And they're like, no, just, just keep them and enjoy them or whatever. And I was like, eh, yeah, all right, whatever. And I smoked that cigar and I absolutely loved it. And so then it kind of set me on a different track of you know, smoking. And now, nowadays I much prefer, I mean, I don't dislike Maduro's. Of course I love them. I smoke them all the time, but now if I had to choose, I would, I, you know, I lean just towards, you know, the naturals, but it was just funny how that just by mistake, I kind of got on that track and that was a great cigar. Those early Siri D's were amazing. Both the Maduro and the natural were mm -hmm. awesome. Well, that, that actually you're, you're talking about natural versus Maduro. And it leads me into another question. I want to start with Eric on, um, I had this conversation actually previously with with Nick about um, a lot of like the the color terminology that um, is still kind of being used in terms of the different shades. So you have, you know, your Colorado, Rosado, Colorado Claro. And I'm kind of wondering if some of these terms, at least for the customers and for, you know, for the consumers is a little outdated. Um, what do you feel about it? Because I feel like they can get very confusing. Oh, English market selection. Yes. Yeah. It's super confusing. In fact, when we, you know, we, we work on Cigar Wars, our, one of our side mm -hmm. projects there where we add cigars. And 
it is a challenge to, you know, come up with a convention that everyone fits into, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's confusing to me. And so I can only imagine it's confusing to consumers as well. You know? I, I want to go to, to Pete on that question. If you could also. What was the question? So we're talking about like <laughs> the 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 use of like the different shade terminology. So like Colorado Oscuro, Oscuro, uh, EMS, Natural, in terms of being a little bit confusing to customers. Yeah, I, I use a pretty simple one, um, and it it comes up with debate all the time because I I don't use Oscuro as the dark the darkest color. I use Maduro as my darkest color because mm. when I'm in the factory with the, the chief of production, I'll tell him, listen, I need a wrapper in Rosado Oscuro. So it's not quite Oscuro, but it's just a darker Rosado. Mm. Or so we use, you know, Claro, uh, Rosado, Claro, Rosado, Rosado, uh, and then Rosado Oscuro, Oscuro, and then Maduro. So lately, if I'm using San Andreas or uh, Sumatra, I'll usually tell him to use Oscuro because I know we don't have, like Maduro. Right. Yeah. How about to the, uh, the Ruben boys there? I like calling you that. Cause it sounds like you're detectives. <laughs> I think we discussed this last week. I yeah, mean, we the, yeah, the terminology for us, I mean, it's kind of been dead since we, uh, got into, got into this a little bit. Um, we don't really use Claro, Colorado Claro, anything like that. I'll say, you know, a cafe color or like Rosado or Oscuro, Maduro, whatever it is. But, um, Really, for me, it's just trying to communicate with, you know, people at the factory is exactly what we're looking for. How about you, John? Same, basically. I mean, I think that color grading is so subjective to the average guy, unless you're working in the factory. So, you know, it's I think it's kind of meaningless to, to try to pigeonhole it like that. It's like when people talk about mild, medium, full, like, what are you talking about? And it's like, to, to me what might be medium might be full to some other guy and vice versa or whatever. So, you know, to, to mince words with, for us, you know, Rosado versus Oscuro versus Maduro, da, 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 da. You know, it's all, I think it's all about, you know, what it's, what it speaks right. to your eyeballs basically. So a branch off of that question for Nick, um, uh, cause you know, Pete just said that he uses the term Rosado a lot. And to me, Rosado means that kind of reddish color, that reddish pinkish hue. But from what I've been taught from my time when I was working in the store is that, that's also what Colorado means. Is that correct? Colorado. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. they're. I feel like they mean the same thing, but they're not, or they're different. I don't know. Similar. 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 Same, same, but different. Same, but different. Same, same, different. Same, same. Yeah. Same, same, but different. Colorado. So it's kind of like you, you. You look at one, and you're like, "That's Colorado," and that one's Rosado. It's kind of like by a site. I use Colorado, Colorado Maduro, Colorado Claro. I, I tend not to use Rosado as much, but mm. yeah, it's like everybody has their own classification. Um, mm. The same way with like leaf suppliers, they all have like their own classification of colors and grades and um, just sort of depends. So I can see how it gets confusing amongst consumers. Yeah, um, very confusing. Oh, uh, it's it's confusing when you hear someone describe a cigar as uh, I'm using a Jalapa Rosado wrapper, and you're like, okay, but Jalapa, what seed? You know, right? Okay, it's not Rosado is a color, not a seed varietal. So for a while, I think years ago, people were were starting to think that Rosado was actually a seed. Yeah, 
Well, a lot of the customers, I, they, they think that Maduro is a C2. So, and, and, right. yeah, I actually, I, I was I was doing uh, some back work on our website. I had to call Nick and I'm like, the, the, the information this company sent us, they're, they're saying it's a natural Maduro. I can't remember what the question was, but he's like, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> um, so I want to get into some, some, uh, some fun stuff now. You guys have all known each other in some capacity for a while. Um, everyone seems to have some some crazy interaction with Matt Booth, which I'm not surprised about. But uh, oh, but starting with starting with John, uh, <laughs> tell me one of your more fun uh, experiences with a, another member uh, on the panel, like like a kind of a fun cigar story, if you will. A fun cigar story, like define fun, like fun for you or fun for me? <laughs> fun for me. I don't know. I mean, just like a, like a, one of those one off stories or something. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. Uh. I'll throw one out like um, 2014, January, uh, Pete had set up a meeting for us to go down to talk to the Garcias about getting some cigars done. And he was in the room when we picked the final blend for uh, what became Las Calaveras 2014, which far exceeded my expectations. But I just remember him. I'm like, will you smoke this and just tell me what you think? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's meaty. It's good. It's all right. Yeah, it's going to be all right. I'm just like, you know, he's totally like, <laughs> like, I had no idea, but you know, it was nice to get him to, to, to co-sign that. But I was, I think, I think more than anything, I was trying to make sure that you didn't overthink it. Yeah, that's true. I, Cause I felt guilty because I picked, I said, I, I really like this. And there was only like three or four variations on the table. And I remember, I still use this quote when I talk to people, I said, Pete told me, look, when you start with good tobacco, it's our job not to fuck it up. And you know, that's, that's, that was the whole key. You know, so I remember that fondly. It was a, it was a good nothing note. worse than overthinking a cigar, man. Agreed. Mm-hmm. When you nail when you nail something that you really truly love, and Nick, you know this as well as anybody, and then you go, well, I don't know, maybe I could make it better, and then you usually end up messing it up. Yeah, it's it's usually better to stick with okay, that that's working and that's popping. Let's let's not even try to complicate things. Yeah, step away from it. Put any more paint in that corner of that canvas. It's it's good. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it we we all agree? Yeah, is man. that like a like a like a a blender's mantra? I would say so. Yeah. I think it's really good advice. I I, I yeah. agree. Not having been the only person here besides Eric. I know actually I feel like Eric's still worked on blends, doing a, a lot of his private stuff with uh, you know, with Matt and everyone. But I've, I've never blended a cigar. But it sounds like sound advice to me, guys. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, as... you're so you're so close to the nucleus, right? You care so much, you can care mm. too much, right? Right. And I think Pete's philosophy it, it rings true, man. I mean, keep it simple. Um, it's it's very easy to continue to think and think and overthink, and if you nail it, just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Set it. Did you hear that? <laughs> Set it and forget it. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm okay. listening. True. <laughs> That's funny. Well, then, actually, I just I thought of a new question now. What is the what do you feel like is the first step in, in creating a blend? Is it design first? Is it, I have an idea for a cigar in terms of its blend, or I have an idea for a series I want to do. Um, let's start out with uh, Matt on this one. I think it's, I think it's overall personality, right? Like if you, if you're looking to achieve uh, a, a certain style or feeling emotion to come from that cigar, um, you know, you can enlist uh, whom you're working with to kind of, uh, you know, guide you in the right direction in terms of, of material selection and whatnot. Um, but for me, it comes from, you know, I want something ballsy, meaty. I want it like a, the cigar version of a steak, 
okay, that's going to be a very different direction than say, I want something uh, fluffy and effervescent. These are all words that we use, fluffy. by the way. Uh, this is a common cigar <laughs> terms? Yeah, fl fluffy and effervescent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's you know, you're, you're looking to make something like dot, 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 or I want it to feel or taste like this, or I want it to have this uh, style, direction, or personality, and that's going to come from how it's built. You know, so then then mm -hmm. they can guide you towards certain materials and whatnot and go from there. That's great. I, I want to take that same question to uh, to Alec and Bradley, because you guys get to come at this with this kind of, you know, dual dual facing purpose where one of you focuses on the blend, one of you focuses on more of the design. So same mm -hmm. same question to you guys. How does that process kind of start? So for for us so far, it's been what is the concept um, right now? I'm smoking the blend for Kintsugi. Um which is the, the name Kintsugi is about piecing back pottery, uh, which comes from Japan with gold lacquer. And the meaning behind it is that there's beauty in the imperfections. And I fell in love with this whole concept and story. And then in my head, Perfectly I'm like, well, imperfect. Exactly. And I, I had this idea of what, what would the scarf taste like? And I wanted something that was late to, to medium and very complex and, and just a, a very beautiful smoke. And I, I, in, in other words, I, I told Alec what I kind of wanted. He was going down to the factory, um, came back with some different blends for us and really nailed this blend off the bat. And, and so for, for this particular project, that's that's how it ended up working out for us. That was fantastic. <laughs> hey, I, I have a question uh, for the two of you. Who mm -hmm. wins? Neither. Mm. It's, Wait, it's what, was the question? what was the question? Who, who the question wins? is who wins? Like, who, like wins? Who, who has the end? The end, like final say. Um, on the artwork, Brad does, and I think on the blend, I do. But I, I'm definitely known for, for I, I'm known for being more stubborn uh, and not wanting to, to pivot on, on an idea or or switching to what Alec may think or or anyone else in the office. I'm, I'm very focused on, on what I want and usually won't budge, but Alec and I end up giving a little bit here and there on, on each end and we come to a better, better product overall. So Pete, how, how do you start this process? The same way these guys were talking, you kind of focus on, on, on the blend and the aspects that you want there first, or do you sometimes you have an idea for like a, a concept and you kind of make a cigar to fit that concept? No. Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, like Huber always usually has a concept. I think most of the time, right, John? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I I usually have a uh, a brand name that I one I want to use to protect it, so I usually <laughs> end up looking for you know a challenge to find a blend that kind of fits that brand. But it's always to try to find a new blend that I don't have in the portfolio. Hmm. So it's really like okay, I already have a strong cigar Fausto. If I want a mild cigar, I'm going to go more towards that Triumphador style. So that's so everything was made for a purpose, you know, like I didn't, I didn't set out to like make the exact same cigar across the, the board. I wanted to make sure I had choices hmm. uh, because every morning you wake up, you want to have choices in life. You know, you might have cereal or you might have eggs or you might have steak and eggs. So it's, it's about having those choices. And I didn't want to mix a whole portfolio of just full bodied cigars. So you, you, you look at it as like, okay, I need a mild cigar. I need a mild to medium cigar. I need a medium to full cigar. I need a full cigar. And let's play from there. 
So, John, he said that you you kind of work uh, in in the opposite way of for, focusing on the uh, on the brand first. Is that is that true? Can you give us a little bit of a background on that concept, right, John? I'm sorry. More like a concept for you, right? Yeah, like for instance, um, let's take Headley Grange. You know, the whole spin on that was I wanted to make a, a cigar taste the way the drum sounded on when the levee breaks, which was just my way of saying I want something thick, dense, chewy, and heavy. That was just my way of saying that. So that, that started with that concept. And then, then we kind of went from there through the blending process with Ernesto. Um, you know, other, other things like I've been down in at Ernie's aging room and I'll see a bin that he's not using. And I'll be like, I'll smoke the cigar. I'll be like, I, I can figure something out to put on this and we, we can do something with this, right? Well, it kind of goes both ways. But most of the time, to Pete's point, I, I would say I start concept first. And then go. So, John, I have a question. Was it was it pretty easy for you to uh, work with Headley Grange since Ernesto's a drummer? You know, it was, man. It was because, like, Condor thought it was the most ludicrous idea, right? And I said, well, let's, let's give it a shot. So I, I we literally put Ernie on the speakerphone. I, I do my little pitch. I play the six seconds of the drums once or twice. It's silent. And then Ernie's like, okay, I get it. And it was just like, boom. So, and okay, Condor's awesome. sitting there going, which is good not question, cool. Pete. Good it's, question. it's nice when yeah. you speak when when like he speaks the language of drums and you're trying right. to go for that. So instantly, I'm sure he captured it. He did. He did. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so Eric, cool. even though you're you know you're not a, a manufacturer, but you've worked with several people, including uh, several members of the of the panel, on creating the Dojo private labels. How does that process go? Do you kind of go to them with hey, having this idea for a name and a blend I kind of want, or do you just kind of say, hey, I want to work with you on something? How does that all start? So for us, it's we've done it almost every way you can think of. Um, normally, it's like they, you know, like a, a manufacturer will just send us some blends, and then we'll we'll pick one that we like, and then create a narrative around it that we feel fits right. But other times, like uh, when we did our Quesada, uh, the Dojo Deluxe Quesada, we went to them and said, hey, we feel like you guys really make a great classic Connecticut. And so we want to we want to make that ultimate classic Connecticut, something like that seems like you got it in, you know, 1950, like way back in the day. And so then they built it ar around that idea. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we've tried it a, a little bit of, of every direction and it's. <laughs> fun each what each time you know so i'm sorry what the heck Bradley, what are you doing <laughs> I don't, this, this, ju this, what is this just it just it just happened i didn't do anything what he looks like he I has did, one of those colitis things on his face i did nothing it, it's i know what it is it's the eric andre uh set that is my background but i did <laughs> I, I, and that's, that's my girlfriend laughing at me um, but I did not. I did not press anything. I did not do anything. That just happened. So that's a little yeah. treat for you guys. You Bradley boys, let me tell you. Uh, Technologies, Eric. So you said that you were smoking one of the uh, the noodles, the Room One Hundred One, uh, the unnamed oh, project. Right, Can you baby. tell everyone the story for those of uh, for those of us who don't know, like how that cigar came into being? Because oh, I think it's a funny story. So, so that's a that's a, that gets back <laughs> to that question you asked a while ago. Goofy stories of some yeah. of the guys on the panel. And so one of the one night uh, Matt was on our show, and we were doing a live thing, and out of nowhere he he said, "Hey, I'm going to give away a prize for the person, any anybody who takes a picture right now with their feet uh, dipped into ramen noodles." It was just like out of just 
right off the top of his head. I don't even know why he thought of it. Sorry, Pete. Yeah. Did it happen? And it it happened. It happened. Oh, they started coming. He's like, oh, God, they're sending They're coming in. It was like, boom, boom, boom. We get phenomenal participation. It was incredible. Um, so, uh, so then over time, when we went to do the project together, um, the idea for being, you know, ramen related just was natural, you know, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I'm guessing there was not a similar story when you were working with, uh, Alec and Bradley on the, on, uh, uh, no, no, we were working on, uh, Urodashi. <laughs> it was really cool because, um, actually the name of that cigar literally happened while we were if, if, if Alec and Bradley just tell me if I'm wrong but mm-hmm. while we were testing the blends at, at their headquarters there we were trying to think of a name and we had we had a couple great names by the way and I'm always, I won't say what they are they were amazing shut up they were, they were freaking amazing and they didn't like them and so like li- literally like while we're having the meeting that the I just looked up like um leap year in japanese and that name popped up and so it just boom it just stuck it was perfect i have a question yes Yes, sir oh okay so john have you done it or even uh, nick have you done a project for the dojo i've not not yet okay so eric i'm curious yes i have not either and i'm not promising anything but if (laughs) the three of us were to do projects for you what would you call oh hedra <laughs> like a three-headed uh, Ooh, yeah. monster. Ooh. No, 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 separately. Hey, I want to hear separately. Oh, <laughs> separately. I think he's thinking, onto something though with the Hydra. I, I think, yeah, I think it. that's the idea. I think, that, I think the th- Man, By the way, it's not 100% true that I haven't done a project with Nick because, Nick, if you remember, you blended the dogma, the very first one that we did. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, that's right. Shit. And that's right. I remember to this day one of the coolest days of my life because that was our very first project. And one of the coolest days of my life was I get this video and it's Nick and Jonathan and they're sort of giggling like a couple little schoolgirls because they have the blend and they're all excited and they wanted to show me. And I was thinking to myself, holy crap, man, this is incredible. And so I'll never forget that that day. And it was it was amazing getting to work with with Nick on that project. Colorado, Mexican Claro and the the Oscuro. Yeah, I remember now. (laughs) Yeah, we yeah, got those the first, names again. We got the first blend, and and they were great, but they were like super. They were wrapped like with a super light wrapper. Yeah, and, and we were like, it's "Hey, Mexican Nick, like Clara. this this tastes amazing, but we think people are gonna they're gonna freak out when they get a undercrown that's such a light wrap." And you're like, "Oh crap, it's the wrong wrapper." <laughs> happens. So, so Pete, back, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to think of that name, Pete. I just I'll, I'll see if it'll just jump to me at, in the show, but yeah, I'm curious. Well, John, if you just if you just kind of get any you know a, a nice Johnny Cash album and just you know pick yes. a song, it'll it'll probably work out and it'd be awesome. Yeah, man. Then my next earworm, I'll let you know. And and Nick, uh, Nick, out Nick, has be, Nick has to be something immensely historical. <laughs> like you can't be giving out names history. on this show. Every someone's gonna go. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll trademark right it. We'll, we'll yeah, trademark true, it. Right true. No, no, no. By the way, we have this incredible concept, Nick, that we're bringing to you because we know ex- the concept for you. We we already have. I can't say it obviously, but we have we have a challenge for you for the cigar when we eventually do one with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be epic. And it, it involves the history of a, of a citadel in the Rocky Mountains, and there was a high priest there thousands of years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the Nick, end of the last right ice age. <laughs> What's uh, what are you smoking in your pipe right now? I got a powwow Itch. blend going. A little no, it's uh, Dunhill nine six five. Is anyone else here? Uh, anyone else here a, p- a pipe? Enjoy pipes as well. Yeah, I used to a lot. I have a big collection of pipes, actually. Do you really? Yeah, because um, the first store I ever worked in was predominantly a pipe store. And uh, the cool thing about working at at Gus's Smoke Shop was a lot of, uh, like, celebrities that had passed, their widows usually would bring their pipe collection down to the store. Wow. And we we would actually consign it and sell it off as estate pipes. So I have, like, pipes from Bing Crosby and shit. That's cool. No, wow, man. come on. That's dope. You pulled out Bing Crosby? What? Yeah, no. dude. I he have a that. Yeah, he used to give out pipes to people like one of the one of the pipes was from uh David Rose's collection and the other one was from Henry Mancini's collection and they were oh, both wow. given to him to these guys by Bing Crosby. Huh. Wow. What Are was the most expensive else? pipe you saw, Pete? What's that? What was the most expensive pipe you saw there? At Gus's, actually, the Stokeby straight grains were back then were like eleven, twelve hundred dollars a pipe. Wow, really? Yeah, wow. I remember and this is like out. this is like early nine, nine, 93, 94. I was in the wow. uh, the Davidoff uh, store on Madison Avenue about two years ago, and they had a pipe with a piece of the Titanic, like the wood from the Titanic, was in the stem, and it was like I want to say it was really grand. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they're never cool. going to sell it. But uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, they'll sell it. They'll you think so? It. Absolutely. So, what do you guys think? That's, that's another question. Like. What do you guys think about some of these, um, either accessories or or even some cigars that are just they have a really cool story, but they're just priced like ridiculously high that you know whoever buys them is like never going to smoke them. This includes some of those really fancy Cubans, you know, uh, cigars that are coming out for two hundred dollars a piece. Uh, I'm not. I'm not talking about like a, at an auction. I'm talking about just regular production. Uh, these these crazy uh, crazily priced limited editions you're seeing a lot of now. That's that was up because that. I'm laughing because I actually have a few of them right now. Do you? <laughs> well, no, because I I'm, I make uh, some cigars in Miami uh, that are all in single coffins and they're they're made for the purpose of celebrating life, and they're ranging between forty three and sixty seven dollars a cigar. No, but I'm not even. I'm talking about like the, they're actually smoking them too, though. There's there's a there's a middle ground for price, um, and that includes you know some of some of the more limited ones I've I've, I've had from you, um, and even some of the Davidoff stuff. I'm talking about these hundred hundred fifty dollar two hundred dollar per cigar uh, that you're seeing. And and actually, my my better question to you guys is is that just is that really based on rarity and process, or do you think that's kind of just based on we're just going to sell it for this amount of money? Are we talking about general cigar here? <laughs> you talking about like the Davidoff Oro? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What's that? Five hundred dollars, right? Yeah, five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. People, hey, people I heard them. they're selling like crazy. People buy, people buy those. People smoke them. Hmm. You know? But people, the, the, the price is kind of like, like oh, they actually found this kind of very rare tobacco kind of thing, or like, how, like how do you price something that high? So, so like for me, your 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 seventy dollar ones, like like, is that from an actual process? You know, like oh, this like really only have one bale of this tobacco. You talking to me? Yeah. No, I 
the Miami ones, yeah, it's a special blend, but I have one roller roll them, and I mm. we actually pay him a little bit more to roll less cigars per day. Okay. And uh, we make maybe 500 cigars of each per year so far. This year, we're, we're, we're probably not going to do that many because the factory's closed right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really just a – it's based on the old Cuban custom theme. Right. And it's really about having something special that that you can cherish and, and uh, enjoy during a celebration in life. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Is that one of them right there? Not, not exactly. You got there, Brad. Uh, that's a different cigar. That's a, the Liberate. That's exactly right. So um, a question just came up to me from uh, from one of our fans. Um, uh, it says favorite size to smoke. Uh, I know that could be a little, you know, a little bit of a complicated question, but there is a lot of discussion now about sizes. You know, a lot of the cigar nerds like me are kind of going to the Lancero, but then the masses really like these kind of 60 ring gauges. So starting kind of with, uh, I want to start with Nick. What is your feeling on, like, do you have a, a personal preference on size? And when you're trying to add your size to a blend, like how, how, how much can it affect the blend? I mean, personally, like when I'm smoking sticks, I've always loved uh, six by fifty-two Toro. As like that's that's kind of always been my size if I have the time. I just feel like the ring gauge, the length. Um, as time's gone on, I've become definitely more of a forty-six Corona Corona smoker. Um, you know, it's rare that I go above a fifty-two ring gauge. I'm not. I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to sizes. I think. I just make like one six by 60 in my charter Oak and a 56 ring in the wise man, but everything else is pretty, pretty traditional. Um, you know, I love Lanceros also, but, um, you know, if I have to choose six by 52 is kind of like, if I have the time, that's like my ideal smoke. Personally. How about you, John? For me, it's five and five eights, 46. I I think we've included that Vitola and everything Crown Edge has done since day one. To me, it's like the perfect size cigar. If I can only smoke one cigar, it'd be a five five eight forty six. Yeah, I mean, to me, even like like six by fifty two is is big for me. Like I just right. doesn't feel right, you know. But you know, you have to make those larger ring gauge cigars for that that segment. Um, you know, so we do some sublimas in there, six fifty fours and things like that. Robusto extra is at 56, but for me, five, five, eight, 46. How about you, Matt? The smaller, the better for me. I like Petite Corona. My favorite cigar probably of all time is Padron 64 anniversary Principe size, right? Yeah. Uh, natural wrapper. That's like my, one of my all time favorites. And I just, I like, I like the smaller size because uh, it always seems to amp up the experience a little bit, a little bit more punch, a little bit more spice. Um, Besides that, Poppy Chulo isn't that like a little four forty two or? That's a yeah, that's a four by forty two. Okay, yeah, which is one of my favorites. Alec and Bradley, I know we, we talked a little bit about size last time. Well, I had my choice. So I definitely smoke anything forty six or below. Mm. Uh, when we blend, we blend off a of fifty or fifty two, just because it's easier to go up and down in terms of ring gauge. But if if I could choose what I smoke every day, which I generally do, it's going to be something at forty six or below. Yeah, Lancero and Corona are, are my two go-to sizes. If every cigar can come in that size, I would, that's what I gravitate towards. And I'm definitely going to ask Pete this because actually it was the Tatuaje Black Lancero that uh, got me into the Lancero size, and I know you really specialize in those kind of smaller Cuban sizes, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. 
Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, the one I I choose to smoke most of the time is a uh, six and three eighths by forty three. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's it's a classic old school shape, and it reminds me of an old Cuban cigar I used to be in love with. But uh, I'm smoking a lot of Marevas lately, five and an eighth by forty two. Oh, that's wow. that seems like oh, wow. that seems like kind of like that cigar I'll fall into as my retirement size. Great size. Mm-hmm. Rocky just did a Mareva. Is there such a thing a retirement size? <laughs> I love the sound of that. A retirement size. Yeah, Rock, Rocky oh, did that John, on, his, uh, on his cigar championship cigar that just came out. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, that's mm. cool. hey, that hey cool. John. Was was selection number five? Was that your favorite shape? I, I forget the exact. Oh, was this the first uh, first brand extension to four kicks? But I mean the the size of it because that was like size. my that was my favorite like for me the way that blend met with that size I thought was yeah, magical. I think it's great. Um, Can't give it away. <laughs> so Eric, this is well, an interesting question for you because like me, you have to review a lot of different things. Where do you kind of fall on on the size spectrum? Do you prefer something more like these guys in the, in the smaller under fifty ring gauge? Um, I like a lot of Lonsdale size cigars, but um, I typically yeah, I, I end up smoking, you know, mainly Toro, Robusto, that kind of stuff, just because, you know, they're they're more prevalently available, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, and, and as far as the cigars that we've done, we've only, you know, done a couple of projects that weren't either like a Toro or a, a Robusto. So those typically just sell better. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people will probably agree with that that you can sell a toro more easily but me personally i mean that that uh, herrera esteli lonsdale to me is like just like the perfect you know size for that specific cigar and it's like almost a completely different cigar when you have it in the lonsdale than any other version of it and it's amazing when you have it in that size you know well, that's actually brings me to my next question. I'm going to start off with uh, with Alec and Bradley on this. When you start your blending process, do you kind of have a size in mind, or do you have, do you have like a certain test size that you do for every brand, or is every brand like, no, nah, I want to see how this one's going to work in a Robusto first, or in a, a Lancero or a Lonsdale? How do you start off in terms of size? We always start with a 50 or 52 Toro, just because, like I said earlier, it's easier to go up in terms of size and go down in terms of size. But mm. we're always planning on coming out with a smaller size for every project. Like Brad said, he's smoking the Kintsugi Lancero right now. Uh, the gatekeeper has a Corona. And then we've been working on a Blind Faith Lonsdale basically since the get-go, but sometimes certain, bl- yeah, certain blends just don't translate all the time. I think I've worked on it three times already and have, coming up, have come up a little bit short uh, in terms of what I wanted the blend to be. So that's a work in progress, but um, we always plan to, you know, because we smoke smaller sizes, we always plan to uh, try to come out with something. What's hey, Alec Bradley? What's the size of that coil that you gave me? The the one. The, my oh, the petite lens. Oh, that's, that's my so, favorite. That's my, that is so amazing. That, that is really an incredible. My favorite cigar that we make. That is an yeah, incredible size cigar. for that cigar. It's so delicious, man. So Nick, I got to ask you. So you're one of the 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 few here to me to, to my limited knowledge where you came out with one cigar only in one size in the Menelik. Do you find it to be easier to kind of do that? You can kind of create a project and like, this is the size and I don't have to worry about creating other sizes for it. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a, uh, an event only cigar. So, um, it was just something, something special is working on, but it's, it's nice just to have one, not a whole line and just one size. It kind of makes it kind of special in its own right. But yeah. yeah. So starting with, uh, starting with Pete, 
do you do you have like a certain size out of each one of your your blends like all right this is my favorite size and the triumphant door this is my favorite size and the black or is it kind of just your mood or time of day oh uh, yeah it's really about the mood and the time of the day but um i mean i blended the uh, black label based off of the the corona gorda which is the five and five eights by 46 so that that gives me my up and down range uh based on that size so i mean it is but when smoking it it's about the time of day right how about you, Matt? Do you have, do you have a favorite size out of, your, out of you know, your certain different blends? Absolutely, man. Hmm. Uh, the Petit Corona. The Papi Chulo. Papi Chulo. That's a good 42 by size. 4. How about you, John? Yeah, I'll probably say just sticking with the 558-46 theme. Um, but again, like to, to Pete's point, it does depend upon the time of day, reference, what have you. Um, I'll reach for a Robusto once in a while, too. I've seldom do I get anything like a 654 or God forbid a six by 60 or something like that. You know? So when you're working on one of the, on the, one of this, you know, one size only projects, like let's say the Tennessee waltz, um, are you, are you focusing on the size first when you're going into that? Or you kind of for, pick a kind of a blend out you want and then like, all right, I, I think well, the best in this size. That was one of those things going back to that, that January 2014 story where I just asked Timey, you know, can I do something with Broadleaf? He's like, yeah, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's, you know, I want to do something for Tennessee. I had that concept and he just gave me samples. And I said, well, this is fantastic. We'll just, you know what I mean? I think it was <laughs> five and a half, 52 or some intermediate size like that. And, you know, look, you, you're lucky enough to work. or I'm lucky enough to work with people like the Garcias or like Ernesto Perez Carrillo or like, you know, now Drew Estate and Pichardo, but, they make you look good, man. I mean, those people make you look better than you are. I'm lucky. That's all it is. It's just flat out lucky. I mean, I know how much you like Tennessee Walsh. I can't take one lick of credit for that. I was just fortunate that Jaime gave me that blend and said, here, here you go. I'm like, fucking hey, right? So, well, I don't, I don't know who to give credit for, but I'm, I'm very thankful that my humidor is fully stocked with them during the, uh, during this the process. For that one. I've been plowing through them. Um, so more overall industry talk. I'm going to start off with uh, Nick on this one. Who is a figure that, that's still in the industry, somebody on the panel or not, who you have looked up to, looked to for advice, you know, you know kind of looked for uh, as, as a role model in the industry? Um, like brand owners? Could be a brand uh, owner or it could be a, a blender or, you know, someone. someone I tell you, uh, Dion from Illusion really helped me out, you know, from the, from the beginning of just starting the company. And um we had uh, we met back in '09 in Nicaragua, and uh, we're working on a project at that time for DE, and uh, became good friends. And so he helped me a lot, just getting getting the company going, and just being able to uh, you know talk and and learn more about the uh, the state side and sales side. So he's definitely uh, helped me out a lot. Dion's a yeah. really interesting character. I'm actually I'm getting him to do one of these interviews in a few weeks. I've never actually spoken to uh, spoken with him, but from what I understand, he's one of the nicest and like just crazy best blenders and, and just like, like a mad scientist with tobacco. So I'm looking forward to uh, picking his brain a little bit. Uh, yeah, Matt, what about yeah. no? Go on. Me? Mm-hmm. What's that? Yeah, well, same question. Well, to you. Me? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm very <laughs> fortunate to have. Uh, made friends with people that I also look up to in this business. And I draw inspiration from, I mean, everybody on this panel uh, has inspired me and continues to do so uh, in one way, shape or form. You know, you know, uh, Nick brought up 
uh, Dion. And I remember vividly, and this was very early on in my time in the business, and, and several of us had um, <laughs> uh, linked up in Miami to take a photograph that was going yeah, to ultimately right. find its way onto the cover of a cigar press magazine. Yeah, and it was meant to kind of represent what the what the look of young tobacco looked like at the time, I guess, if I, I guess that's what it was supposed to be. Right. This is what <laughs> yeah. the new face of tobacco looks like. Right. And on <laughs> breaks from uh, the photo uh, activity, uh, Dion would go out into uh, this was at George Rico's place on Cayocho. And, and he was working with the gentleman at the, the rolling table to put a, put a cigar together, but just for funsies, you know, and, mm. um, at the time, my, uh, you know, my blending capability and my ability to participate was nothing like it is today. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I was watching him. And of course, he's seven feet tall and he's looming over this, uh, the roller at the table and he's, he's lighting individual leaves of tobacco and he's smelling it and he's, and he's saying, no, <laughs> maybe 30% filler, potential wrapper no fuck that that's the rapper like and i just my head was like <clears throat> complete explosion and i'll never forget that never forget. i mean absolutely brilliant well that actually leads me to something three of you guys pete john and matt were on that uh it was cigar journal cover um, cigar, press. Press. cigar press cigar so we, press and greg who's actually uh our man behind the uh, scenes today running all this took the the redux of that picture this year um, yes. You guys tell me a little bit about like what that photo shoot was like. I mean, that was that to, to a lot of people that was a big deal. I know John has mentioned uh, mentioned it once or twice, but I would love to hear your guys uh, tell some stories about that day because it must have been crazy. I think John I mean, used for, to drink during that time, right? I did. I did. <laughs> he did. He did. You you brought yeah. some really good wine to that thing too. That we started opening bottles like at ten o'clock in the morning. All Part day, like Thor didn't feed anybody. Process. Nobody went to lunch. Nobody ate. All you did was drink and smoke from ten mm -hmm. to what five, six, whatever we wrapped. So we had sushi that night. I didn't eat nothing. Did. I got on a plane. It flew home. <laughs> so yeah, it was John a fun day. Scene. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was amazing, man. It was yeah. mind bending, so, really. So you guys all got together just for this one picture for this cover, and that was it. And then they were just like, "All right, you're done." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> It was a long day of, of, of doing nothing, actually. <laughs> Sounds like a good... Well, I, I thought it would be fun to... Uh, um, I, I mentioned it to both John and Matt of, of you guys should do uh, some, some kind of project together, the, the, the whole you know usual suspects uh, guys. So it's, I mean, you, you're all huge names, Dion, you three, uh, Jonathan. I, th I think it'd be great. Um, and yeah, that actually brings... to get everybody in the same room to take the picture, let alone do a project <laughs> together. <laughs> Well, it worked out this is at the, the, the trade show. It worked out. Yeah. I mean, the, they didn't have a camera. We had to use our camera, but we were able to get it done. Um, and who knows when that's going to come out, the, the part two. Well, we were told not to release it um, until they told us, and then Matt went ahead and released it by himself because he had a, a special <laughs> copy that he posted himself. Well, and yeah. I, in all fairness, I asked Thor if he would mind if I post it because I thought it would be – it was – obviously a very cool memory for me and i know mm. for the other guys involved and and uh you know he was agreeable so i, I posted a little sneak so we, peek. we can post that picture now yeah man. We could, okay. yeah he said it, he said it was cool <laughs> yeah that, that was that was that was fun um I, I, I wasn't even taking the picture but that was fun for me seeing um you know so many of my idols just you know 
the, the gentleman here, Dion, Jonathan, uh, all kind of in one spot. Um, and that brings me to a question for, I don't want to call them the young guard because I think they're actually my age, but Alec and Bradley, you know, you get to talk to these guys a lot and I, I know you're friendly with a lot of them. What's that like kind of transitioning from that kind of, I don't want to say idyllic relationship of what you look up to them, but now to kind of being business partners and working with them on projects. How, how is that? Bradley, you want to go first? Yeah. Well, the, the first person that we got to work with um, on our second project gatekeeper was, was Ernesto uh, to work with someone who many people will call the godfather, you know, uh, of, of what he does is it's an unbelievable experience to pick his brain. And to uh, a lot of the people on here, Matt, uh, you know, we've known uh, each other for 10 plus years. Pete, every time I see you, I always try and pick your brain a little bit and try and gather some ideas. And and Nick and John, um, you know, I've been smoking your guys' stuff for, for a while now. So I always try and look for inspiration from, from all of you guys, um, whether it be, you know, John's all about music, Nick's about history, Matt is weird, and Pete, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Pete's, you know, Pete's, got his you know it's all about cigars so the band doesn't matter but then he also has the monster series which i think everyone is in love with uh and then uh, one of my favorite from from pete is the little hassle which i'm still trying to get my hands on but your uh, brother has a pack <laughs> i know i know he won't give me any but uh i always i always am lucky to be able to speak with with any of these guys and and get some some sort of advice if they're willing to offer or some tips but Ultimately, you, you guys have a leg up because you have your dad. That's a great guy. Who's a great guy to talk to. That, and that's what I was, what I was about to say is that that is who I go to for everything. My father, um, we, we go on for hours and I, we talk in circles. Um, but ultimately he's, he's who I look up to. He's my mentor and, and, uh, the most information I can squeeze out of him. I, I know I'm, I'm getting something worthy out of it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, for, for me. Go on. Oh, sorry. No, no, uh, no. no. Say, uh, the nice thing about being in this industry and growing up with, in it, you know, having Alan as our as our father, we get to pull a lot of information from him. But mm. what these guys don't know is that every time I have a conversation with one of them, I'm definitely pulling something from our conversation, whether they know it or not. That just gives me a little bit more insight into the industry and how things are done and the proper way to do it. And whether, you know, all these guys know it or not, they've been a mentor of mine in some way or another, because either they've just been kind to me uh, coming into the industry or they've, you know, embarked some information that <laughs> that has been, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. And it's really helped me in a lot of ways. So I appreciate that, guys. That was beautifully said. Beautifully Appreciate said. You. Uh, and that kind of brings me to uh, my next uh, topic. Um, every person here, in including Eric, you've uh, all been part of this era of collaborations. People, you know, different companies working together that I feel like, at least from my view, you didn't see back in the old days. I mean, you might have a little more information about what went on behind the scenes, but you're seeing a lot of people collaborating, um, you know, uh, Matt and Caldwell, John and uh, my father and Drew Estate, uh, Nick and, uh, and Aganorsa. Um, do you, is there anyone out there right now on this panel or not that you would love to start working with? And I'm going to start with uh, Alec and Bradley. Thank you, because I was hoping Every it would. Every <laughs> single one of you on this panel, I would like to do a collaboration with. So I'm calling it out right here. <laughs> Ditto. 
Even that little yeah. cartoon girl at the bottom over here in the corner. Who's it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Minus her. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how about you? I actually could echo that sentiment. Hmm. I would love to create a project with anyone on this panel tomorrow. It would be my honor. Is that kind of the universal answer for everyone? Everyone who wants to work with everyone? I would say so. Oh, no, no, not everyone. I don't think <laughs> no, I mean, I mean everyone here. with everyone. Oh, I mean, yeah, everyone yeah, here. Everyone. Yes, yes. Um, all right, well, there goes that question. Uh, Eric, <laughs> yes. I want to start with you on this one. Um, can you name from each of these gentlemen uh, the, the, your favorite blend that they make? Oh, um, yeah. Um, so Alec and, Alec and Bradley, now this is – this is obviously their dad's company, but the coil is, that's my favorite Alec and Bradley, Alec Bradley cigar, but that's an incredible cigar, especially in the size that you, you guys gave me that yeah. uh, Petit Lancero. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, what's funny with Pete's cigars, the Tatawahe, one of my, all, I don't like any big ring gauge cigars typically at all, but there's one that I absolutely love. And that's that Grand Cajono, that six by six. Oh man. Mm. It's like a, it's like a milk chocolate bar, man. I mean, that thing is insane. Um, obviously, with uh, Matt, uh, the noodles, you know. Shameless. <laughs> Shameless. Yeah, I know. Shameless. Uh, okay. The uh, 2014 Las Calaveras. I mean, come on. To me, that's that's Crown Heads is, you know, best in my I love. By the way, I was recently at a store, and they just had a whole box of those things just sitting there. I was like, Oof, oh, God. Wow snagged a whole bunch of those it was incredible it was like it was like the land that time forgot you know i was like wow this yeah. is great That's and awesome. then of course nick you know we gave him cigar of the year uh, a couple years ago with the um, tabernacle ct142 which is obviously an amazing cigar um that thing just blew me away the moment i smoked it i said jordan this is probably going to be cigar of the year it's that good and he kind of looked at me and, and then he smoked and he said yeah you, you might be onto something there so uh, those are those are off the top of my head. Those are, those would be my picks. Pete, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. What are some of your favorites from uh, from these guys? I actually probably would have to say for for um, John, it might be like the Jericho Hill or the the original Four Kicks. Actually, oh. I really like the style, yeah. the profile, of the original Four Kicks. Um, early on. I was a big fan of Wednesday Maduro or the Wiseman Maduro, I guess you call it now, yeah. right, Nick? And I, yeah. I might have should have never told Cigar Aficionado that it was such a great cigar because they gave you a really good high rating on that one. <laughs> I appreciate no, I mean, that. That's a that's a great cigar, and and it actually um, it reminded me of something that that I might do with the Garcias. So I, I really fell in love with that cigar, um, Booth. I mean, I would probably have to go back to some of his original stuff because I haven't smoked a lot of his newer stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But when he came out with his first line, I actually enjoyed it. It was more medium. I know, I know, he had some troubles with it. If I remember our conversation, but that is it still was a solid cigar. Mm -hmm. Thank you, um, Alec and Bradley. They gave me the the Gatekeeper, which kind of blew my head off. That was pretty ballsy uh, as far as flavor profile. So, I mean. And then for Eric, I don't know. I haven't smoked any of his cigars. <laughs> John, what about you, my friend? Uh, man, I, to be honest with you, I probably smoked more of Pete's stuff than anybody else on the panel. Like, you know, I mean, I again, I'd have to go back to, to early Matt stuff because I haven't smoked the recent stuff. Um, Alec and Bradley. And Thanks for the support. 
But it was good. What I recall was very good. But no, I mean, I can go on and on about, I'm like a Tatuai fanboy from the original Brown label to La Riqueza to Cabai Juan, Cabai Juan Guapos. I mean, I, I think there's so many hits in that, that, you know, portfolio that just people kind of tend to forget about, you know? And um, so, yeah, the ton of stuff that, that came, that Pete's come out with. Um, Nick, I've had your, well, Wednesday, the original one, it was very good. Um, past that, I haven't really got my hands on anything else. And like I said, Alec and Bradley, I haven't gotten anything in, in from your, your stuff yet, but I'm looking forward to trying it. Um, so gonna... next time Mike is down here, I'll give him, I'll give him something to give to you. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. You yeah. know, I will say, I'll jump in. I'll say, I'll agree with Eric that Coyel Petit Lancero, that's a great cigar. I had that with you guys at Cigar Fest last year. Yep. And that that's, I've had it before, but I don't know. Something about that night was special. Thank you. I'm actually really interested to hear. Uh, I'm interested to hear Alec and Bradley's views on this because we we've talked about it at length. That with this, these guys on this panel were actually brought together from from their idea. So I know that they're fans of all your products. So I'm interested to hear what what some of their favorites are from each of you. I'm gonna let Bradley nerd out on this one because okay. I know he's about. <laughs> he's so excited. So, yeah. So for Pete, it's definitely the the original Kruger and the the size that it comes in that uh, box press torpedo. Uh, for John, it's something that I don't know if it gets talked about enough, but the Luminosa, uh, I think, mm. is an incredible cigar. Thank you. Uh, for Matt, it's the, the Farce Ecuadorian. Mm. Uh, eat great morning smoke. And Nick would be, I got to go with the uh, with the wise name, Maduro and Lancero. And don't forget, I can't forget about Eric. The Uradoshi is just... <laughs> Again, incredible. Mm. Uh, Bradley, do you, uh, Alex, do you have any? Uh, do you have any to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the original four cake from John. That, like I said, I got those, those original sampler packs. Those were fantastic. Uh, I mentioned the uh, La Riqueza. That was one of my first smokes. I still love it to, to this day. From Pete, um, I'm gonna go with Bradley on the Wise Man Maduro Lancero from Nick. And then I like all the far line from Matt. Honestly, those are, I think, some fantastic cigars. Thanks, bro. <laughs> and Nick, what, what about you, my friend? I would say um, John Huber. I would say the original Four Kicks. Um, that that cigar really excited me, man, when you first came out with it. I don't know if you remember uh, when I sent you a text message before you kind of came out where you were making that cigar. And I kind of I kind of guessed that. You remember oh, that, that? that? Okay. When I said Ernesto, remember yeah. you said you hadn't you hadn't released yet where you were making your cigar, and then, uh, um, yeah, I kind of guessed that 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 cigar I really really enjoyed. Um, Alec and Bradley, that gatekeeper is unbelievable. Um, I think it was the Corona size I yeah. had. Um, just everything about that cigar, I really enjoy from the packaging. The the band is is super dope um cigar is excellent um pete i think the reserva broadleaf is it is that what it is the the brown label mm -hmm. um yeah that cigar i love i love pete's broadleaf sticks um mm -hmm. and i think i had one is there what's the one in the two in the uh, black tube the torpedo no the black label tool yeah yeah black somebody label. gave me i think i have two of those in my humidor um mr booth mr booth i would say the t um is it the mexican san andreas yes yes but then what was the 
the uh, perfectos. I remember smoking. Uh, it was recently a short or semi recently. Semi recently. Are you talking yeah. about? Are you? You're not talking about the old school stuff. I think so that, that would have. Like, yeah. When we relaunched it, it the brand, that, right? It was the time when I saw you. I think in yeah when you relaunched it. Yeah. Okay. That would have been, that would have been the hit and run. And that was yeah. the only one we did in the little Perfecto, which that was, was honestly like a, a super Perfecto? sweet size for that. Yeah. yeah for that blend. That cigar Absolutely. was phenomenal. Um, and Thanks, then man. I would have to say the uh, Dojo, the uh, Undercrown Dojo. Well, I mean, yeah, I got the Dogma, it. right? <laughs> you see how everyone is doing this right now? It's... <laughs> well, this, I, is the I most, actually... this is the most I've talked about cigars on a show in my life. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I gotta say, actually, I'm just realizing now that each one of you, Eric, you included, made the JR Cigars top 25 cigars of the year list this year because I believe the Undercrown we put on was the Dogma, and then we had mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. we had the T on there. We had two from Crown Heads. We had the Gatekeeper. Um, we had the um, Mexican Experiment number two, and we had the uh, Wise Man Maduro. I believe was our number three cigar of this year. So you're all uh, very nice. welcome for the, for the free press we gave you. Um, just to kind of finish up here, guys, uh, I don't know if you all saw the email, but I thought it'd be kind of cool if maybe you guys wrote some questions. I didn't get to go. I didn't get to say. Why can't I say cigars? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought I asked you. I didn't I didn't get to say cigar stuff. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I could have sworn I asked. I thought Do I, we I, have I, time I, for I, this? No, of course. Yeah. We're, we have no time limit here. John Huber, original four kicks. You know the size. I've mentioned it like three times on this show. Selection number five, Hot Fire, Alec and Bradley, the gatekeeper, uh, Nick, for sure, Wise Man Maduro, Rockstar, all day long, and Pete, Fausto. Wow. And I was actually, and, and there's actually Oof. something very special about that, that blend for me and my little timestamp in, in Cigarlandia is because I visited you at the factory prior to your release of that cigar and you handed it to me and you said, Hey, this is something we're doing. And it's a, a different blend for it's, it's different than anything I've released before because of its composition. And, uh, I very much love that blend. Very cool. Yeah. Matt, Always I want have. to apologize for, for, for forgetting you. That's, that's uh, unbelievable. Man. And I don't Can feel you show me where these questions are. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, in, oh, in one of the emails I had sent, I, uh, I had, I had said, if you guys want to write questions for each other, um, and I know because John responded to me right away with questions. I, I wrote, I wrote a question. I was a good boy. I, I got a question for everybody. Mm -mm. Yeah, because <laughs> Eric, Eric mentioned, Eric mentioned. Well, I'm the only uh, one that wrote the question, right? <laughs> you're, you're the only one actually sent me written questions, John. Yeah. <laughs> Eric good job, John. Eric mentioned the Grand Kohonu, which is a six and a half by sixty, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't smoke it a lot, but uh, when I do, it's a commitment. It's you know, you have to be sitting down for three and a half hours sometimes. But I'll tell you, does anybody else on the panel recognize that if you take that 60 and shorten it to like a five or even shorter, it actually feels way more comfortable in your mouth, mm. and way more mm -hmm. comfortable to smoke? We actually just Absolutely. did that. No. 60 by five. 60 by five. I love, sure. I love a shorter, fatter cigar because it's actually a little bit more comfortable to, to handle. It doesn't have that weight to it. To heft. Pete, do you make any gonna, like six, like the five by uh, five by sixties? I make a five by sixty in Miami uh, called the uh, Grand Cojonu Series A, mm. and um, it it I smoke that more than I do the regular Grand Cojonu. Huh. The reality is, I can't afford to smoke Grand Cojonus because I I don't get enough of them. Mm. So 
Honestly, if I ever smoke a 60, I'm chewing that thing down into like a box press anyways, just to make it more comfortable for me. So that's just how I, that's just how I do that. We did one six by 60 in the last nine years and I regret it. Absolutely regret it. Why? (laughs) I knew it was going to be a bomb to begin with. It was going to be like, all right, this is going to fail. It's going to be epic failure. But I said, okay, let's go ahead and do it anyway because everybody wants a six by sixty. And it was which my, one was it? That Luminos, yeah. the limited edition, Luminos. Oh uh, yeah, like this. that's what right. A turd. What a turd! You look, you look so mad, John. <laughs> I, Wait, I, let me see. His I, I got to scroll. I got to see what I want to put out, right? But then our national sales was on me. Everybody's gonna buy a six by six. It bombed, bombed, miserable. Anyway. Well. John, considering you're the only one who actually wrote questions down, why don't you start? And if you guys have some some questions you want to throw oh, in I there got, too, I got some too. I got some too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Eric, yeah, Eric, I roll mine down because so I wouldn't have to remember it. I don't remember. Oh, so I got I, I got a little fun. I think I, it was for Nick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Hold on, let me go find your email here. I can't remember. Hold on here. Oh, when shit. is Nick going to make an eighty? Question. When is Nick going to make an eighty? Sarah. Seventy is the new Lancero. Is Lancero? It's a Texas Lancero. Texas Lancero. There you go. Ah, There you go. There you go. My favorite. Pete Pete knows. I got a question for Matt. Go for it. How was your trip down to Rice's Cubanas? Epic. Epic. Epic, man. Next level. I love those guys. Love the factory. Um, Really, really a a standout experience in in my time in the cigar business. One hundred percent. Very much looking forward uh, to working with them. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I found your uh, your questions here, John, and this these are for Nick. Uh, what is the one album you would want to erase from your memory so that you could experience it for the first time again? Wow! How's that Holy for I should be doing this. Wow! Europe's the final what countdown, a, bro. What, <laughs> oh wait, it wasn't. What a question. Um, I would Poison. say. It's probably Poison. my favorite. Look what the album right is: the Bob Marley Survival. I knew you were going to say Bob like, Marley. That's like my Bob Marley Survival. It's going to be yeah, Peter Tosh Bob, Bob Marley. But yeah, Bob '79 Survival album came out. Um, that album, it's kind of like the lesser. You know, everybody knows Bob Marley Legend and kind of mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. One Love and No Woman No Cry. Uh, survival album was. Um, Actually, he wrote a song called Zimbabwe and was actually invited to the independence of Zimbabwe in 1980 because of that song and that album. Um, unfortunately, Zimbabwe after 1980 got, you know, the uh, the uh, guy that took over power became dictator. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that's that's one of my favorite albums of all time. That was what a great a question. question. Anyone else that was a great to? question. That was a good question. What, can, can I pose the same question to you? To That's me? a great question. Yeah. Jane's addiction ritual de lo habitual. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who thought about that? I would one? say because I just, I, man, that I, I wore it out, and it just, I remember that just immediately hit me, and still to this day, three days, like I listened to three days, like over and over and over and over again. So it's like, yeah, that would it would definitely be a Jane's addiction. It wouldn't. It's funny. I, I found that before I found nothing shocking, but I would still say ritual. Mm-hmm. Maybe the peppers, mm-hmm. mother's milk. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a, there's a few in that 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 category. 
Pete, I'm actually interested Marvin to hear Gaye. you guys, you, oh. you, and, you and Matt, because you got you and Matt were yeah. our musicians. So I'm interested to hear what you guys' uh, album choice would be. So the so the album that we could delete from our memory to so you could experience, experience again with yeah. virgin ears, 100 percent Marvin Gaye's "Hear My Dear," and this kind of echoes the sen- Nick's sentiments about the Bob Marley record because "Hear My Dear." Uh, for Marvin Gaye, he initially went into it somewhat spitefully because it was, he was married to uh, Barry Gordy's daughter and they were getting a divorce and he still owed the company albums, right? And so he titled this, Here My Dear, like, here you go, bitch, here's your album, right? But as he dug into uh, writing the music, I, I think it's some of his most potent, if not most potent and powerful music that he ever wrote. And it was coming from a very, very deep, uh, uh, place of pain and change in his life. It's, it's probably one of my, I, I have many favorites, but that one, if I was going to experience something again for the first time, it would be that, it would be that out. Highly recommended. Nice. How about you, Pete? Just, I, I, I probably have to say I have a, a f- more than a few, but I'll give you a couple. Uh, obviously, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Mm. Um, just one of those albums I discovered before anybody in my hometown even knew what guns and roses was and that i've listened to that album way too many times but there's a, a band called silver chair oh yeah out of australia mm-hmm. that they did an album like way after they were that young group they they literally transformed themselves they did an album called young modern and that young modern album is so diverse and so catchy that like i would say it's like a junior version of the beatles they're so good on this mm, album and mm. I would, I would love to, but I, I still listen to that album like crazy. So. Mm. Awesome. Nice. I'm going to go to uh, Alec and Bradley and then I'm going to go to Eric. Cause I know Eric also has some, uh, some questions. So uh, what are you, uh, what's an album for you guys that you would erase? I'm going to go in a different direction on this one. I'd probably go Nina Simone's. I put a spell on you is one of my mm. favorite uh, vinyls that I own. And if I could hear that for the first time, that album for the first time again, that's, Definitely where I would go. Nice. I would have imagined it would have been like Barbie Girl or something for you. I don't know why. <laughs> I was, I, I, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> out of listen to that song. Be careful. <laughs> uh, for me, it would probably be, and it's something that most people probably wouldn't know, but Action Bronson, my favorite rapper. His I love Action one his, Bronson. One of his I mean, I mean John Action Drew? Bronson is... John Cruz. <laughs> I've never seen the film. They have never me been photographed uh, together. Close your eyes and listen years. to Action Bronson speak, and yes. you'll be like, "It's t- it's JD." Uh, but his <laughs> album, Doctor Doctor Lecter, every single song is an absolute hit, and uh, you can sing along to the entire thing. Very good choice, Eric. How about you, my friend? Uh, I have two. Uh, I'd say one that I say right off the bat would be the self-titled album by the Specials. It's called the Specials. Amazing Ooh, album. Scott. Um, yeah. I'm a big Scott. That's a fan. great one. Um, but my the second one I picked because it kind of got ruined because like two songs got like overplayed and and people maybe got sick of them. But Combat Rock by The Clash. So like the two songs mm. that got overplayed a lot, right? Rock the Casbah and Should mm-hmm. I Stay or Should I Go. Like yeah. those are great songs, but they got overplayed so yeah. much. But the rest of that album is incredible. Like it's an incredible yeah. album. So it'd be cool to like have it erased from my memory <laughs> and then get to experience it again just because then you're not you're not getting, you know, kind of skewed by those two songs that got played so much, you know. Exactly. 
John, I want to see this. This is my choice, and I want to see if John recognizes what this is. Mm. Zeppelin shit right there, man. Yeah, yeah, this is Led Zeppelin four. This is actually the album I took when you did the uh, the Headley Grange Black Dog for us, the private label. Yeah. The first picture we ever posted was I put a cigar on that. It's my roommate. We have uh, the album wall behind us, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it's just it. I, I mean, I know it's a uh, cliche because it's Stairway to Heaven, but you have you know Battle Evermore, Black Dog. Like it's just every Led Zeppelin hit on on basically one album. It's it's crazy. My first um, kiss was the Stairways to Heaven. I think everyone's first Ever. kiss was just there, whatever. <laughs> but it was the whole song. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, so it was, mm. I didn't it's realize that the, the eight song is eight minutes long. And we didn't it's know. Erotic. So it was literally the whole song. <laughs> I think great. I get the longest kiss. We were like waiting for the song to end. Stairways <laughs> <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> you know, so, it was like seventh grade, you know. So, Eric, you said you had some uh, some questions for some of our panelists. Why don't you go ahead? I do. I've got this first one is for Pete and for John. So uh, this is like a cigar related question. But so it seems like, you know, a few years ago, the, the limited edition stuff, that was kind of like the appetite for cigar smokers, everybody wanting limited editions. But now that, you know, with the regulations and stuff that we have foisted upon us, they'll, they'll be tougher to do. So how the question is, how can you keep your regular production, your regular line stuff uh, interesting and in the minds of cigar smokers so that they want it in their humidor? What can you do to keep those regular lines invigorated? Oh, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a challenge, man. No, no doubt. That's a very good question because especially for us in our case that everybody we've kind of unfortunately trained our, our customers to say, okay, what's new? What's new? When's Mule Kick 2020? When's Las Calaveras 2020? They're, we've, they're in this pattern that they know we have these seasonal releases that are one and done. That being said, how do you keep the attention on things like the original four kicks? One of the things we've tried to do is extend the brand. Um, for instance, uh, we had in production right now, four kicks Capa Special, which was a uh, the, the, the basically Ernie's version of what the original four kicks was with a Sumatra wrapper and a little Dominican in the filler. And we were going to release that May, June, and then COVID came and put a, put a little hitch in our giddy up there. Mm -hmm. But that was one way to, to try to shine the light back on the four kicks brand. Right. So you had four kicks, the original four kicks Maduro, which is, was, was uh, Habano, Connecticut, Habano. Then you got four kicks Kappa special. So hopefully that there's some co-mingling among there, but it is difficult. I'll tell you that, man. It's like, you know, it's like you got eight plates spinning in the air and you're like, got to spin this one. And then you come over and try to spin that one and promote mm. this one and that one. It, it's a challenge, especially when everybody wants the next new thing. Pete, I agree. The next new thing is, uh, is what for a while and still today people want, um, I always like to say that, you know, Tatuai is deep in flavor and deep in your mind. Oh, wait, that's Dion. Oh, yeah, that's taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, I, I'm pretty fortunate that, uh, that like, the original Brown Label, I was able to do a bunch of cigars in that line early on that uh, will be easy to, to re-release -re later on. You know, like, their sizes at like Cohetes or Bombazos that I made for Dion or Maravillas that I made for a uh, shop down in uh, Tennessee. It's, it's always those, uh, those lines that I can bring back from the dead and redo 
later on. And that kind of keeps the brand, the brown label line, especially, which is my workhorse still to this day, kind of going. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always a struggle. It's like, okay, I, I don't want to be known for the monsters. I mean, it's a great line for me and we do really well with it. But at the same time, I don't want to be known just for making a monster series. Same thing with the TAA cigar. Um, this is my last year of doing the quantities that I usually do on the TAA cigar. And next year I'm shifting my, my uh, concentration on doing something for the PCA. Um, and I'll do, I'll work on products that, that fall into those core lines like black label or, or Veracu or brown label, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right. My next question is for Matt, Nick. Uh, under lockdown and quarantine, shelter in place, what's uh, one mm-hmm. or two things that you guys have learned about yourselves? That I never want to oh. leave my house again. <laughs> I am so ready to just stay here with you're my good, family. You're good at this, right? You, you've got to die. I am actually, I am really good at this. I have to be honest with you. Like I, you know, we, we were, uh, you know, we were laughing about the other night, my wife and I, because it's like, you know, we were talking about we, we've actually never spent this amount of time together in the history of our relationship. Our family's never been together for this long because of the nature of my work. And uh, so I, I like being stationary. Go figure. Nick? I, w- I would actually have to say the same thing, man, because I think, you know, I hit a million miles on American maybe back in September. And this is the first time I've been in one spot for I think mm-hmm. three weeks straight. And mm-hmm. um, it's been really nice to just be able to do simple things like Matt was saying, like take out the garbage, get mm-hmm. mail and not have to have a stack of mail, you know, after coming on off the road for, you know, a long time. So man, I, I I'm seeing how well this does my body and spirit, uh, you know, not being in an airplane all the time. Yeah. So yeah, um, I right, needed my, to slow, slow down a little bit. <laughs> my last question is for Alec and Bradley and for you, Nick, uh, in the cigar industry, talking cigar personalities and, or people that are prominent in the cigar business, who would get the best 40 yard dash time? Oh, shit. oh I got it. Jesus, it's Holy yeah. I, I, I think it's. I, I think. No clue. I, th- I mean, he's he's bigger, but he's definitely the most athletic person in the industry. It's got to be Dean Parsons. Oh, that's. I don't care how. Yeah, I don't care how big. I don't care how big he is. Yeah, he's probably got. He's got some wheels. Yeah, I was gonna say either Matt because of his military background, or honestly, even though. Even though he's bigger now, uh, Omar Frias because he played professional basketball. So I, I, he's the only person I know that like has done professional level sports. So I'm guessing he's pretty quick. <laughs> I think well, he I mean, like long, professional basketball long, is like long three strides. steps. Yeah, he, he uh, was on the uh, he was on the Dominican national team. Oh, I okay. thought Omar. Oh, I, think, I think Dean's the right the right answer for that one. Nobody's yeah. gonna say soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Oh, good. Right. I would say soccer when he was in that scooter that, that in 2007 at the Houston trade show. <laughs> Ironside. Yeah, right. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, Alec and Bradley, do you guys have any questions for uh, for the rest of the panelists? Um, 
well, Pete made me think of one earlier. He was talking about, uh, he's like, where you, what would you have? Uh, is it going to be a cereal or eggs or eggs and steak? So I want to ask to the panel, what is the best cereal? Uh, what's your go-to go cereal? Who's first? Can it be steel-cut oats? It can be whatever or you is want. Is that too grown up? Ooh, nice choice. That's way too grown up. Is that too grown up? A nice crackling oat, oat brand. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm, I'm going to use one. Get out of my head. Huber, Huber knows this pretty well because I used to, I used to send you him text described the, the flavor. Go ahead. I used to, breakfast cereal is like yep. one of my descriptives. Mm -hmm. And they made a cigar called the uh, CAO Extreme when John was with CAO. That's right. And I, I could swear I was like, oh, my God, it's like Golden Grams. Golden Grams. Golden Grams. So is that, is that your go-to cereal? No, no. But if... One of my favorites was like if you ever smell the foot of an Opus X cigar, mm. it mm. smells like cinnamon raisin toast crunch. Yes, it's cinnamon okay. raisin toast crunch. So true. Remember that one? Yep. No, I, I didn't love know that cinnamon they had cinnamon raisin. raisin toast Nailed it. Crunch. I didn't know they had that. cinnamon. I don't toast know. Uh, favorite cereal though? I don't know. Lucky Charms. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Hundred <laughs> percent. I was gonna say Lucky Charms. It's those marshmallow treats, you know. God, man, Lucky Charms. <laughs> I've just turned AJ, our daughter, on to Lucky Charms, and now she's like, oh, yeah. She's seen, like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. You have no idea. Yeah. Good How stuff. about you, Nick? Life. <laughs> of course it would. Be. I just enjoy life in the morning. <laughs> cinnamon. Life, life, life cereal? Cinnamon. Oh, man. Cinnamon. It's just like a, a philosophical thing. Yeah, he doesn't, actually, nice. he doesn't actually enjoy it. He's just like, I'm enjoying life, life this morning. I oh, wake so up in a nice bowl of life. Are you kidding me? Ah, oh, so I can go through a box of life in one sitting. I take in that oh, warm man. Connecticut air and it not the cinnamon kind the regular cinnamon's life good, cereal. Dude. Cinnamon's That's, good too. Don't I haven't had the cinnamon terrible. in a while. It's I'm a, like a Reese's years. Puffs guy myself. Puffs. About Captain Ooh. Crunch. Nobody's gonna say Captain Crunch. Captain, oh yeah. yeah, man. It's, Captain, much, yeah. Captain Crunch. It's, it's, it's violent. It's a violent cereal no. in your mouth. You know what? There's Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. There's a it's violent moment. The There's a like golden violent in your moment mouth. Yeah. Captain yeah. Crunch. In between the time it's too crunchy and in between and the time too it's soggy. too mushy. There's this golden yes. moment right yeah. in the middle where it's just perfect. Yeah, but it's it's the morning. Yeah. Now I gotta get a clock out and I gotta time my bite. Yeah. Hey, so no, it's a lot you just got to be an three and a half minutes. You got to be an experienced eater. You just know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Steeping time of three and a half minutes. You're good. Alec? I haven't had cereal in over five years. I, I couldn't even <laughs> What was the last cereal that you had? Strange. The last one? Strange. Um, <laughs> bunch of, this was probably the last, last cereal I've ever had. So uh, I guess I'll say that. Very peculiar. Uh, Wait, got, what was it? I, I, I missed it. Honey bunches of oats is probably the last cereal I've ever had. And Ooh. Hmm. Okay. But um, I got a question for the panel more on topic. <laughs> that, was, that was off topic? A wow. little bit. You could tell by the shirt and mustache that, uh, that Brad, he's definitely the wild card here. <laughs> yeah. Is there a tobacco that you haven't played with that you would like to use in the future? Whether it just be hard to find or... You know, you don't have a source for it necessarily. Is there anything that you would want to use? Broadleaf. Get <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, back, <laughs> please. Uh, I I would say maybe the uh, the Peruvian, um, some of the Peruvian tobacco. I only messed around with it maybe once, like a good six seven years ago. 
but mm-hmm. Peruvian tobacco interests me just because the the they say the origin of tobacco comes from Peru originally. Um, so that kind of that that interests me. Right. What about anyone else? All yeah, I'm, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm I, good. I like I, I like using all of it. I like using the uh, the Cuban seeds. I mean, obviously broadleaf, which we use all the time when we have it. But uh, I, I pretty much used everything I want to use. Mm. I mean, Matt, unless you're you? talking about Cuban tobacco, like really no, well right. fermented mm-hmm. Cuban Wait, tobacco. Pete, what is it on Latelier? Is it Sanctus Spiriti? Is that Sanctus Spiritus? Yeah. All right, that it's a hybrid between Criollo and Pelo de Oro to make it resistant to blue mold. If you have or two, and you want to just it falls off the truck, that would be one <laughs> for sure. Because there's something I remember when that, that cigar first came out. There was something so distinctive about it, it has a real distinctive flavor profile that it, it hits me the right way. I love that that tobacco. That's Matt, what about you? Any, any tobaccos you'd want to use? Well, it's like I said, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. In this new chapter of my my experience here, I, I'm able to. Uh, I've been experiencing a lot uh, of of tobaccos that are not new, but they're new to me, uh, based on my history, and and I'm I'm loving every minute of it. So, I want to try everything that I possibly can. Awesome. And tinker. Nick, do you have any uh, questions for the panel? You talking to me? Yep. <laughs> okay, let's see. Is there any other Nick here? Questions to the panel. There is one other um, Nick here. Yes. <laughs> let's see, Mr. Huber. What if you weren't in tobacco? Like, what, what, what would be? What's your passion besides maybe cigars? Um, like, what, what would you see yourself doing if you, if there was no cigar industry for you? I would love to have like my own line of like surf skate wear like that just was hats t-shirts oh really shit like that yeah design nice. clothing but something Have you like worked like, on like stuff before? Or hundreds or something like that something a little more street oriented you know nice have you ever made up any designs or anything or worked on I've, anything like that I've nicked off of, of like this that's straight up from you know ripped that off <laughs> you know yeah that's just that's just one of the fun things that i get to do is to me it's just like it's all about the creative process right it's like that's what pumps my my nads about cigars it's like creating like having an, an idea in my head and then getting it from to fruition to where it's on the shelf and people can actually check it out it's no different if you're designing a hat t-shirt what have you um but it would have to be something in a creative mode because if i if i sat behind a desk and just like went through papers, you could you could pay me a million dollars a year. I fucking would kill myself in six months. Yeah, it really yeah. stinks. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just know my, that's <laughs> my job I'm before, I've had <laughs> I've had burn. really really bad jobs, so I know what 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 makes me go. So awesome, awesome, Mr. Booth. Uh, Mr. Booth, same question. Besides so jewelry I've... or uh, cigars. <laughs> Well, there's something I've been kind of tinkering with on this on this little break, right? And it and it semi ties into uh, what I do what I do uh, in terms of jewelry production. But I've been tinkering with kind of a little offshoot collection of sorts of things that I call little squinkable items. So to uh, like to create a collection of iconic shapes for no other purpose other than to make them like uh, you know 
you would recognize like the cap to a big pen, right? A very signature mm-hmm. shape. You know, there are many ballpoint pens, but the cap to an old school Bic is very signature. So to to cast things like that in metal and offer them as, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to make it usable because the plastic of the cap flexes as you put it over the pen. So it may not even, it may be something that we can create that's usable uh, as a pen cap or just to have. And that's uh, like one, uh, you know, one item, right? But kind of a more funzy um collection of opulent items matt i'll I'll give you one it's been done before but i think you should do it uh the old coca-cola style bottle openers that you you drill into your wall you hang on your wall i have one yeah those are cool that's dope yeah yeah there was a company that did a silver version of it that Mm -hmm. was spectacular i think i Mm -hmm. think you you would rock that out shit like that's exactly what i'm talking about things of that nature things that you immediately buy that disco perfect <laughs> disco. i have a customer perfect here matt here's yeah. another one for you remember disco. the little you remember the little insert that you would put on on a 45 record yes yeah. make yes. a sterling silver that's version cool that's, Ooh, that's a good idea you know i, I cool want that's actually super rad pete that's a very good idea Try finding um, those nowadays. I mean, one, of, one of the other things I was doing, who remembers Three Flowers, the pomade from Tres back Flores. in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Tres yeah, Flores. Very iconic. Flores, yeah. I'm going to make a cap for one of those containers as part of the, the deal. You know, um, just cool shit. Just that, that, that bottle opener, though, is that, that's right on. That's right on. Yeah, you know, you know that other brand that we don't talk about. The, <laughs> they made they made a uh, they made a cap for a Kiehl's like chapstick, and it yeah, that's I've seen that. That's dope. I got it for Christmas from them one year, and it, mm-hmm. it you can use it once, and then you have to find that exact you know right. chapstick again, which I don't even think they make the same version of it to be able to right. use that cap on. The the one uh, I think it was from they do like a a, a holiday item lineup that's all these these the, the, my favorite that i've ever seen uh is the old school pistol for the the garden hose oh yeah cast in sterling silver <laughs> yeah. it's functional like you could actually screw it onto a hose and use it uh super rad i mean yeah, no that's cool. use for it whatsoever it's a presentation piece but uh, i've always been enamored with that um that item and and the idea of creating a collection like that so yeah for sure i can see you doing a little brainstorming session more. I can see you doing a shoehorn. A nice shoehorn. There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Shoehorn is now nice, actually. Yeah. yeah. I still use them. Shoehorn? Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't like to untie my shoes, and they're I, I have a size 14, so I got to you know get them in there. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah would you come 14. on here, Greg? Oh, yeah. <laughs> straight, straight, straight flex. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So I have um I have uh one fan question here and then I have one question I'm going to uh to end everything on the one fan question which you guys kind of touched on before but uh what do you folks try to do to get customers to go back and revisit your old core brands? Beg them. Okay. <laughs> Threaten them. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. This John is point. forever the challenge, right? This is forever uh, the challenge because of the the culture that we've bred uh, that John you know highlighted earlier about the what's you know you could work on a cigar for a year have a launch event at a store and you know I, I it never ceases to amaze me that the next week 
their customers will come and say, well, wait, you know, when's Booth going to have What's the next? new? The new. What's new? Yeah. yeah. It took a year to bring that to you. To offer what are you doing you. next? What are you You're doing next? Rate. You know, Do so, you guys see that changing at, over the next decade with this change of all this FDA regulation to kind of go back? Because I remember in the 90s, you know, it was more about the brands. Yeah. The mm-hmm. brand and then it's become, you know, in the 2000s, it shifted and then it became, you know, do you see over the next decade that that shifting back to just kind of brand focused more, uh, more of the core brands? Uh, it has so. been said, yeah, I would hope so. It, it has been said that uh, agendas write in on the coattails of incidents. And I think that if we could leverage this uh, into any semblance of something positive, I think that that's something that we could um, maybe work towards as a as an industry. And that would mm-hmm. be nice. Would. It would be delightful. It would be nice to see like a cleansing of some sort. Oh, a calling. But I'm, but I, but I think that the, the the public's mentality has shifted so much, and a lot of it, I think, is a result of social media because everybody has a shorter attention span. Everybody oh, wants it's instant. Know, everybody wants the boom, instant boom, gratification. Boom. The next craft beer. They don't want to drink Budweiser mm-hmm. Miller. They want the new little whatever from here. And the da, 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 and the, it's just on, on, and on, and on. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that going backwards. I mean, it's just, it's just the way that that society is is their buying habits have changed. Their attention span has changed. Mm-hmm. Loyalty has changed. Regardless of what happens. You think we're going to be forced into that because of all of this, these regulations coming down over the next I think even decade. if you do have, even if you do have that regulation and it's, it's strict, whatever you're still, people are still going to want to have a rotation of brands. There's nobody that's just going to say, sure. All sure. I smoke is crowned heads. Right. They're, no, they're, I, I understand have- that. I, I mean more from the, like what Pete was saying or uh, what Matt was saying, you know, you just come out with something new and then all of a sudden there's, you know, people are asking what's new when you just are releasing something. Mm-hmm. So more in that sense than people being, you know, about different brands, I think more, more like new, but you know, what's new, what's new, what's new, that, that question. Do you think that's going to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to have to taper off because there's, going to be well, less I mean, and less new brands introduced into the market over the next decade. Well, Nick, right? that's what I was saying. It's like, if we, if we can leverage this to our advantage and, and reteach or relearn folks that maybe uh, um, it's not as uh, possible uh, for them to satisfy their forever want and lust for brand new product every, you know, every week that we can kind of regain some ground in that regard. Maybe you yeah. never know. Well, have have you guys seen an easing of this even over the past few years? I know the regulations haven't been brought in fully, but I I think I noticed, um, and maybe Eric also being like, you know, in the, on the media side of things that since they were first announced, we have seen a reduction in a lot of ways of a lot of releases, you know, coming out of PCA every year. Have you guys noticed already there's been kind of a downturn in having to create so many a year, or do you think it's only gotten worse? It's a good question. It's a good question. I think it's for, I think it's forever a challenge, man. Hmm. It's been forever a challenge, and it's every year for me, uh, starting in '09. It's every year it's been uh, more necessary to keep driving new products into the market. Honestly, it seems to me, Nick, um, almost nothing has changed. I mean, real from my perspective, almost nothing has changed. Like 
the the projects that we have wanted to do we've mm. been able to do and um i'm a bit i guess i'm kind of surprised by that um don't really know what to make of that but it doesn't seem that much different from from our perspective now i know i've seen companies go away there's been a lot of companies go away that's mm. been one side effect for sure but as far as like new projects to work on i mean that from that side of it, it seems like not much has changed. I mean, we have stuff in the pipeline now into 2022. So I don't know. I mean, awesome. I I think September that might be coming to a chain a, a halt. We'll, um, <laughs> well, I mean, look, man. You know, we're, I hope where not, there's a will, there's but, a way. Uh, right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that Matt, you just nailed it. With if you want to do it bad enough, you will work around whatever you have to work around to make it happen. A lot I mean, of it depends upon the language that the, these regulations are, are going to be, you know, yeah, put down on, right? So if everything is dark air cured tobacco, there's a lot of wiggle room there, right? So mm -hmm. I don't think the FDA is going to come down and say, well, this blend you use the sixth priming of a Seiko and da 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 da, you know what yeah, I mean? Not, do they don't have the, the manpower to police it to that level. It's going to be something that's like, okay, dark air cured tobacco, this many pound grams per pound, da 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 da. That will define a premium cigar. I feel I, like if they had someone at the FDA available now with that kind of insight, they would already know that these regulations are not not smart. They're like so they they already are trying to compare our industry to cigarettes and to vape. I feel like if they had somebody who's going to know about primings and Seiko, that they would already know that this is ridiculous entirely. Um, and I I asked Eric that question only because when I started in my current role, it was end of 2014 so i really only got to see this side of the industry for about nine months before those regulations were even announced so i was just curious as was this whole you know limited release everyone's coming out with five new things was it a lot more prevalent in the years right before that was announced or has it kind of been the same so that that's that's what i was just curious about um so my last question of the day i kind of don't want to ask now because it was a fan question and it was what are each of you doing new <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, new, new new is a very dirty word now so we don't say new yeah right now yeah hey, they're all let me go back to doesn't what, exist anymore let me just go back to what john was saying about you know the dark air cured tobacco thing hmm. i think if we can get rid of the language of, of this whole like uh, pre-market approval thing and mm -hmm. we can keep on submitting um new cigars substantially equivalent to older cigars i think yes. then you'll see new cigars coming out mm. uh, but that yeah. pre-market approval thing is really the key because right now we're not supposed to have anything new after what was it august 16th august, 2016 august 8th august 8th whatever, the, whatever yeah. the heck date it was right. but dude, i don't yeah. know about you guys but I, I discontinued four lines um a couple years ago and i'm just gonna re-release those sometime down the road because i'm gonna I mean, I have 352 SKUs that I submitted to the FDA and about 300 of them are going to be substantially equivalent to the 52 that are mm -hmm. grandfathered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot in that wheelhouse that I can re-release later on. Is that what you kind of are, are looking to do? Maybe re-release some, some... Well, I mean, I know that I'm going to re-release a lot of Broadleaf stuff. <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> thank, thank you for you. I mean, John knows, and, and, and Nick knows this too. Like, I mean, 
when we were making broadleaf products, it's a big quantity of broadleaf that we're using up. And I had to get rid of La Riqueza and La Casita because I didn't have the broadleaf to use. I had to get rid of like the TA uh, sizes that I did for them in broadleaf because I didn't have the broadleaf to use. So that's a big opportunity right there. That's going to something that's going to be off the market for so long Mm. that you can actually end up coming back out with it. And Mm. people will be like, wow, that's, that's cool that you brought that back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, that that kind of ends it on, on here, guys. Unless you want to talk about any new projects, I know I've talked with uh, Nick, John, and uh, and the Ruben boys about some new projects. I do. I would like to know, Eric. You said you have stuff going into 2022. Anything you can share on on that front? Because I'm I'm always aching for a new dojo release. Uh well, actually, it was there was one that w- would have been released during all of this. Mm. Uh, which I, I won't say what it was, but that's delayed because of what's going on with COVID mm-hmm. and everything. But the exciting news for the dojo is me and Jordan are deep into the new version of the Cigar Dojo app, which we're really excited about. It's going to have tons of new features and um, hopefully in the next, you know, three months or so, that'll be, uh, you know, slowly coming out. And um, so that's been pretty much our main effort during you know, the last six months or so. So that's, that's kind of our thing that we're working on. It's non, it's, it, we don't have to worry about the FDA in that regard. So uh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, guys, I'm, I'm going to leave you then. And maybe if you each want to give a, a parting thought, but sorry, really quick, my friend, Mike, who's a Tatawahe fanatic, just texted me Pete and he wants to know about the new, uh, the new, uh, what is it? The MBS that was just announced uh, last week. Uh, you don't have to tell him, but he's been bugging me all day with sending me text messages. So I figured I'd, I'd ask you. No, I'll talk about it. It's uh, it's based off of uh, a cigar that I did for um, a retailer years ago. Um, it's it's MBS stands for Monster Bomb Squad, and okay. the joke mm-hmm. about it really was I had a lot of leftover bands in the factory, and I was looking for something to do projects with. And I knew I could re-release that size. And um, I decided, why not? I have 18,000 leftover Kruger bands. Why don't I go ahead and, and utilize them somehow? So it's based off the Kruger. The next one, if you know everything goes right with the Broadleaf, will be a Frank version of it or a Jason version of it. Sorry, not a Frank, a Jason version of it. And then, like for example, like the Mike Myers or the Michael that I did, I have like 1200 bands, so I'll do that, but it will be really small production. Mm, It's based off of what I have in the factory for leftover paper. Cause for me, I hate waste and Mm. I hate walking through that factory and seeing thousands of bands just sitting there doing nothing. Well, as uh, the Tatawahe fans and me will, uh, will share that it's definitely not going to go to waste. We'll we'll all enjoy it. Um, So just, I'm going to start with uh, Nick and then work my way up. Uh, Any parting thoughts, anything you'd like to tell people out there, you know, during this, during this crisis, you know, how to get through it and uh, any kind of final words. Smoke cigars, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. what else is there to do at this point? Um, I I just want to thank uh, Alec and Bradley for um, for this idea. Great idea. It's an honor to uh, be sitting with all of you guys. I admire all of you guys, and I appreciate all you guys. So, guys, thanks. And Nick, thank you for uh, you and Greg for putting this together. Appreciate it. It's been it's been fun. Yeah. Um, Alec and Bradley, how about you guys? Any final words? Uh, first, I want to say that we're coming out with Kintsugi, uh, hopefully as soon as all of this is over. 
uh, thank you, Nick, for having us on. And I'm glad that I got to talk and hang out with a lot of people that, that I look up to and admire in this industry. It's uh, it's really been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Nick, for having us on. And I know this was kind of our idea, but I'm glad you took credit for it. And I'm glad everyone was willing to come on and uh, sit with us. And, you know, it was a great time. Thanks, guys. Listen, there, there's big idea guys and then there's doers. You guys get to be the idea guys and me and Greg are the doers. <laughs> John, what about yourself? Oh, don't forget Matt. Don't, don't skip no, Matt. No, I'm not hey, giving. Thank you, in, thank in you, my, John. My order, my order. Matt is next. <laughs> uh, no, man. I just same same feeling. It, it's been fun. It's always a gas to like just shoot the shoot the shit with friends in the industry. Um, and it's it was just a fun way to kick back for two hours. And as far as getting through all of this, I'm just excited to hopefully get on the other side and get some factories reopen and get some cigars out. We got Capa Special coming out. Um, you know, I'd love to say May, June, but obviously, who knows now? Uh, Las Calaveras from the Garcias is coming out 2020. Uh, yeah, so, it, and, and we're working on something for, I, I would, do I dare say a PCA release? I, now I'm referring to it as a summer release. So we got some things in the hopper that I'm excited about. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll post up on social media just to give people something to look forward to, because I think we as a society tend to get too bogged down with all the bad news that you know if you mm. turn on the tv and okay this this is the running total it's like watching a telephone of death you know right. or up to 80,000 you know and you got that little fauci twerp going oh a quarter million people are gonna die well no <laughs> actually you're wrong dude so shut up so <laughs> yeah i mean i just try to stay focused on the positive and, and we'll get through it we'll get through this together right so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. matt it's your turn now. You oh may, may i Yes, hey, you are May, Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Smoke more cigars. So that's all the time we have for today, guys. I really oh! appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kimmel where he's like, uh, we wanted to have Matt Damon. We're Damon. <laughs> My Matt Damon. Matt booth, but... <laughs> no, smoke more cigars. Support your local brick and mortar shops and support brand owners like my dear friends that are on. I don't, I don't know which way they are because my screen looks different, but support uh, family owned brands and small businesses. And when I say support, that means transact. When you transact with your local retailer and you purchase our cigars, you are supporting us. You know, we, uh, you know, I'm always very honored that people are fans of my brand and my friends brands. Um, but, but definitely make a point to go out and support brands that have a soul and that are family owned. Um, and, uh, there are several examples of such, uh, brands here live today so that's all i got and thank you for having me on of course eric we're gonna go up to you next uh well first uh just being on this screen with these guys is incredible i mean uh, if somebody had told me that you know and six years ago or seven or eight years ago that this would be happening i would have giggled and thought they were crazy so i'm honored just to be on the same screen with with all you guys it really means a lot to me and um yeah, as far as Dojo goes, we've got a bunch of heavy hitters coming up. We've got Bobby Newman is going to be on the show. We've got Alan Rubin is going to be on the show. Ooh, uh, Nick Domo is going to be on the show. <laughs> so we got some we got some heavy hitters coming up in the next few weeks. We're looking forward to that. But, Nick, thank you so much for uh, including me with, with these cats. It's like uh, – of course, one of, one of these things doesn't belong here, and I kind of feel like that thing. So that's, no, it's just, definitely me. I'm just excited um, to be that's, here. That's how <laughs> it's I feel. Definitely me. <laughs> Pete, we're going to end on you, my friend. Well, Nicholas. Um, no, yeah. You know what? Honestly, everybody said everything. I mean, this is uh, 
this is what we do right now. This is the the world we live in. And uh, I'm just happy to be able to get that. Like, literally, I, I crave this. Hmm. Uh, so I'm glad that you guys invited me on to, to be part of this. I mean, especially with a great group of people. But uh, there's nights where I'll sit around the house and and I'll be so bored, obviously, after 30 plus days that we've been doing this, that I need I need some out. And uh, to get on a call with a group of people that I love and respect, it's uh, it's just nice to to shoot the shit with friends that I don't get to see all the time. So, and there's a potential that we might not see each other in Vegas, and I'm I just want to be able to do more of these because uh, I love talking to John. We don't talk enough. We yeah, text, cool. but we don't talk enough. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see everybody. It's nice to have a good conversation about nothing. There you go. Well, I just want to say on behalf of me, everyone watching, and the uh, the JR team, thank you so much for doing this, guys. Uh, on a personal note, uh, all of you have been huge inspirations to me. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of all your brands, as you can tell. I'm I'm sporting as much swag from everybody as I possibly can. Um, no tatuaje underwear. I, like I said, I have a tatuaje T-shirt that's an extra large I got when I was thinner. I was going to use it as an armband because that's about all it's good for at this point. <laughs> And well, uh, Alec, matchy match. Alec and Bradley, I'm waiting for some. Uh, I'm waiting for some Alec and Bradley swag, so I can I can rip it out. And yes, me and Eric oh, are wearing the, uh, the same foundation shirt right now. Uh, but thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Your inspirations. Um, your and you you guys do uh, tremendous work. And it's been an honor for me to uh to lead this. And thank you. I, I know our customers probably got a kick out of this and thought it was awesome. So thank you very much. Thank you everybody for watching. Go to jrcigars.com right now. We are still shipping. Our warehouse is still open. And we have the available cigars from each and every one of these individuals, including some of the dojo releases. The noodles still there. We have Dogma. We have Whiskey Rebellion. So even something like those limited dog, those limited uh, dojo releases, still available on our website. Thank you all so much, and uh, be safe out there. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Thank you, guys, Thanks. so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.